podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Two-Footed Podcast from EPL Index. My name is Dave Hendrick and I'm joined by Kevin DeVries from the EPL Roundtable podcast for part two of our season review of the 2019-20 season. We have recorded and released part one uh, covering Arsenal through to Manchester City on the EPL Roundtable feed. So you can go and find that there first before you listen to this one. Today we're going to cover Manchester United through to Wolves plus the three promoted teams. Kev, it's been a while. It has, and now on a new channel with new digs and everything, it's very nice in here in this in this new podcast space. Excited to to continue working alongside you now as as we're both EPL Index podcasters. It's always nice to to expand that family, and especially with somebody as a knowledgeable and entertaining to listen to as yourself. Well, that's the hope. That is the hope that you know this podcast and and the roundtable and the. The other podcasts we're going to be launching as part of the whole EPL Index podcast network will give some give people something varied to listen to, give them options, give them daily coverage with this podcast, quality review show with your podcast, predictions pods. We want to cover all the bases. We want to cover the Premier League the way nobody else is covering it because I think I think you might agree with this in terms of mainstream media. All the focus is on the big six, and then there's very mm. little left for the rest. For me, I want to cover the the bottom three as much as the top four, and I want to cover everybody else in the middle just as much. So, you know, I, I think you do that as well. You've obviously got a great panel of guests that you bring in to cover all the different Premier League clubs. And for me, that's my aim as well, is, is to cover, you know, to talk about Burnley just as much as I'm talking about Manchester City. Yeah, definitely an, an enviable goal, and that, that's always been kind of the point of VPL Index is to talk about all of it. Sometimes, sometimes on on the roundtable, you know, we get a little uh, top six heavy, but yeah, we we've always prided ourselves on representing uh, all the clubs that are willing to come on. So it's so exciting to hear uh, that's the direction you're you're wanting to go as well. And I guess it's kind of thematically relevant considering this is our uh, twenty club review. That's exactly the thing, and we've been doing this now for. A number of years, myself and yourself, we do a season review and then we do a preview where we look back at the transfer window and what teams have done. So we will do that. We'll probably obviously wait till the transfer window ends this year, which will be in, I think, early October um, for that one. And then obviously in January, uh, at the end of January, we'll have a, a quick look then at what teams have done as well. Give our ratings, give our views on the transfers, the, the buys and the sells. Um and in terms of Crystal Palace, what they failed to do in a January transfer window. <laughs> At least this year, Kev, after this one, we will no longer have to complain about Watford not signing a centre-back. We don't, because they're not in the Premier League anymore. But I might still complain about it in their season review part that's coming up later Absolutely. on the show. I've got some thoughts. Um, I've got an article out on, on EPL Index about Watford, actually. And that's one thing I've noticed. I've, I've been writing every day for the website and I've noticed that the, the articles on Watford, on West Ham, um, those articles tend to get a lot more interest. On, on Leeds, I've had an article out on Leeds. They tend to get a lot more interest because 
those clubs aren't getting covered enough. And I think that's where we can fill a little bit of a gap in the market. So obviously this is the first week of this podcast for me as a new a new thing that I'm doing. Um, some people will know me from, from Anfield Index, but I'm trying to branch out from that. Still doing all of that, of course, but trying to branch out and expand and do this. And it's, you know, putting myself out there a little bit. But uh, it's, 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 you know, it's exciting as well as a little bit nerve wracking. But um, let's jump straight in. Let's jump into Manchester United. Uh, finished third in Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's first year. Got to the semi-final stage of the FA Cup, the League Cup and the Europa League. Um, I think fair to say outperformed some expectations. But when you factor in who they are, what their wage bill is, the fact that they spent £200 million, across the course of the season I don't think third is is the massive overachievement that some people are making it out to be yeah I mean especially considering where they started and where they started the season but also where they started at the restart I think third is is about as good as anyone could have expected but but yes I mean maybe they should have always been on track for third and it, the the big turnaround shouldn't have been required but they certainly did a impressed there obviously as you mentioned the the other uh cup competitions performed fairly well in them as well i i think the future is bright for them this this past season obviously was an adventure with uh the long-term rashford injury with pogba being out for as long as he was and he was rumored to want out and then i'm i'm sure it's it's been brought up in every single corner of the football world but you really can't understate the impact that bruno fernandez had um, when he came in January, not just because of the play style in, in the first half of the show, we talked about the goals and the assists, but it, it's made everybody play to a higher level and it's made people like Pogba consider staying long term. Yeah. Um, there was this this thing that I used to notice when Erickson was on the pitch versus when he wasn't at Tottenham, where players would make runs without knowing they were going to get the ball. They would just willingly make really incisive runs all the time because they knew at any point Erickson, without even looking at them, could supply a ball to them. And I think that's one of the reasons why Manchester United's attack was so lethal since the restart is all of a sudden you have these players that perhaps used to like wait for just like a a boring old side pass to them out on the wing. They wouldn't really be taking on their defender. So so they were always in front of the defense. Um, But with a player like Bruno, all of a sudden you recognize that if you make like a really incisive run into one of the channels that he might somehow find you. And so you, you can't really slack on that because he might play that ball and you not be there. And then he'll look terrible. Um, and so I think that that level of of improvement, uh, while not being necessarily because of Bruno Fernandez, still kind of is. Um, so anyway, that I think that was the, the huge catalyst for them. But yes, I mean, in theory, they should have always been looking up that high. I think the reasons why the, the expectations weren't that high was obviously at the end of last season, a lot of people were wondering if Solskjaer would be gone soon or... The, the issues in the squad, the the huge um, overpay on Maguire, regardless of his talent level. You can't say that $80 million yeah. <laughs> wasn't an overpay on him. Um, Wan-Bissaka obviously coming in. Dan James had to play the majority of the first half of the season um, due to injuries and lack of squad building. So they, they definitely had issues that made it surprising that they finished third. But maybe, to your point, they shouldn't have issues like that. They shouldn't have issues with the squad depth in certain positions when they have the kind of money and prestige that they've had for so long. So yeah, I, I still think third is, is pretty good for them. I've given them a B plus. Um, but I do see your point that there are probably people falling over themselves to praise their, 
second half when arguably they shouldn't have needed it to get back up into the Champions League spots. And that's the thing, and, and I've given them a B as well. Um, but when you look at who they have, I mean, David De Gea has had a down season, but he, he remains one of the best goalkeepers in the world. Um, Sergio Romero is probably the most overqualified backup goalkeeper in the world. So, you know, no worries there. They also obviously own Dean Henderson, who remains to be seen what happens with him this summer. Uh, you'd imagine probably another loan. I don't I don't see him being happy to go back and sit on the bench for United for a year. Um at right back, they overpaid hugely, I think, on Wan Basaka. Very good defensively, but not as good as people make him out to be. An incredible athlete, but positionally he's questionable. 1v1 he's phenomenal, but positionally he's questionable. And I don't think he covers across on behind the centre-backs very well or behind his midfield. So, you know, I, I would have said 20 to 25 million would have been a fair price for him. They paid 50. But they're happy with him and that's really the only thing that matters. I like Delot a lot more than other people. And I think as an alternative to Juan Basaka as an attacking threat, I think he could be useful. Um, they also have Fosu Mensa, who they've been very high on for years in that role. So... They do have good options there. Same at left back. I mean, they spent a fortune on Luke Shaw. He hasn't always been been great, but he is a good player. And I, I really think Brandon Williams is going to be a very, very good player. He, he's had a shaky time after the restart, but he's he's a very young player. Um, In the middle, like you said, huge overpay on Maguire. A good defender, not a great defender. 40 million would have been right. 80 million was obscene. But He's what they needed. They needed a, a commanding, aerially dominant centre-back. I think they need one to go with him. I think that's the first port of call this summer. Needs to be finding uh, a suitable fit to play with him. And then Lindelof is your third centre-back. And either Bailly if he stays, or if not, maybe Tsunzebi as the as the fourth centre-back is, is fine. Um, they'll have options for that centre-back role. Uh, they were linked with Gabriel, which would mean moving Maguire to to the right side, which I, I don't think makes sense. Um, I think they'd be better off going and looking at, we mentioned him for Manchester City, or I mentioned him, Yanai Nunes from Bilbao, I think would be a really nice fit there. Um, comfortable on the ball, you know, progressive type of defender, but reads the game well, talks to his teammates. He'd be a nice fit there. In midfield, Pogba is as talented a player as there is in the league, but he hasn't clicked fully at United yet through injuries or falling out with managers or whatever. But you know what you get with Pogba when he's on. He's one of the best players in the league when he's on form. Um, The likes of Matic, Fred and McTominay, I think are good backup players, but they're not players I'd want in my starting eleven. I think Bruno's brilliant. I think he's more of an 8 than a 10, but they use him as a 10. I think they need to go and buy a holding midfielder. Um, and I, I, it probably will seem like we're raffling him off to Premier League clubs. But again, Wilf and Didi would be an immense fit there. He'd be perfect for them as that ball winner, recycler. Even if they wanted to go a little bit cheaper, we mentioned him for Everton. Adrissagana Gay would be absolutely perfect next to Pogba. Just to go and win the ball back and mm. give it to Pogba. And then you free Bruno in front of them. The front three is is where they seem to be very excited to go and spend money. 
But I don't think they need what they think they need. I mean, there's talk that they want Grealish. Where do you play him? Yeah, I don't really know about that one. You know, he doesn't get in their best 11 and Villa want 80 million for him. So it doesn't make sense. I don't think you could play him and Bruno in a midfield three. Um, Rashford on the left, obviously, big, big talent. uh, Had a very good season, even with the injury. Martial has finally taken the step forward that we've all been waiting for. And, you know, this season developed into one of the best number nines in the league. And Greenwood was a revelation coming in on the right-hand side. He looks so good. He's remarkably talented. Like, a genuinely generational talent. But they want to go and buy Jadon Sancho. And that will just mean that Greenwood gets relegated to the bench because he's not going to start over Martial or Rashford. I don't think that's the move at all. I think they'd be much better off, rather than going and spending... 180 or 200 million on Sancho and Grealish. If they went and bought a very good starting centre back, a very good starting holding midfielder, and two quality young attackers who can be your fourth and fifth guys, even one young one and one slightly older one, I think that's where they go. And then Dan James is just your sixth attacker. Because there's talent in Dan James. I mean, for the first six, seven weeks of the season, he looked like he was he looked like he was going to be you know, tearing the Premier League apart all year. It obviously caught up to him, but there's talent there and that blinding pace can never be overlooked. I genuinely feel that two good young attackers, like if they went and bought um, Odson Edward from Celtic as a backup nine, who's just remarkably good in and around the box. And then he's been linked with a couple of clubs, but Ishmael Assar as a backup wide player who can play all across the front three. I think those two for probably about 70 million combined is a better use of your money than Grealish. And if you use the Sancho money to go and address your starting centre-back and starting holding midfield roles, all of a sudden you're looking at a United team that's got a great starting eleven and a ton of depth is all in the right age to develop together all suited to the style of play that Ollie seems to be to be going all in on. Then you're talking about a United team that maybe not next year, but the following year with another year to grow and develop is a title contender. Whereas if you just go and buy no. Grealish and 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 Sancho, I don't don't think you're winning the title. I think you're you're setting third as where you're going to finish because you can't defend, you can't win the ball back. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you obviously make a lot of good points, and I already rambled about United for a bit there. I, I currently have them fifth as my projection for mm. next season. I, I think a lot of the the gaps in aid improving you've already touched on there. But I, I think the one place where I disagree is on Henderson. Like, yes, he, he might want to go out on loan again. But if, I mean, the, the De Gea slump wasn't just this year, right? It was the worst oh, this year. Oh, it's been two years. But like... Right, but that's been happening. So I think, and and we spoke with Joshi on, on the Manchester United uh, end of season segment, that I think you need to keep Dean Henderson in to try to get more out of De Gea. And if he doesn't turn it around, then you have Henderson at the club already. Like, it would be great for Henderson to start every week again, but we've already seen him do that. He's He's already demonstrated that skill. Yes, it would be nice for him to be able to keep that going for form, but I think it might be more important for them to use him as like a to raise the floor of how their season could go. Cause if De Gea gets hurt or if De Gea keeps 
underperforming, they might need to start Henderson instead of him to save their season. It's true. Instead of just trying to get him more minutes. No, it's that's very true. And I don't disagree at all. I'm merely looking at it from the point of view of the player. For the club, absolutely the best thing to do is to keep Dean Henderson. But Dean Henderson absolutely is eyeballing the England number one shirt for next year's Euros. And that's got to be... And he has a decent claim at it. I mean, it's it's him or Pope. Right now, he's... Yeah, him and Pope are the two best England goalkeepers. And and then it's a big gap to everybody else. Um, Tottenham legend Joe Hart. (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) But to, you know, to the likes of Pickford, to the likes of Fraser Forster, who'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on this summer. Um, Alex McCarthy, who had a, a really good second half of the season for Southampton. He'll be in the mix. I mean, as things stand, Pope, Henderson and McCarthy are, are my three for the England squad. I wouldn't even be looking at Jordan Pickford. He'd be fifth on the list behind Forster. Um, yeah. So for Henderson's sake, I would say he'll want to go and play every week. But yeah, for United, definitely the best thing to do is keep hold of him. Now, I will say I'm not sure if even if De Gea continues to slump, that they'll move him. Because what do you do with him then? You're paying yeah. him somewhere in the region of £400,000 a week. Um, that'd be a very expensive ornament on your bench. And who are you going to find to buy him? at the, Like, no top club, really, other than Chelsea, is in the market for a goalkeeper. Bayern aren't. Atletico aren't. Real aren't. Barca aren't. Liverpool what aren't. What about Atleti taking a flyer if they lose Oblak at some point? They won't lose Oblak. Mm. Oh, you think you think he's just like a one club kind of dude? Yeah, I think I think I, the only way I see Oblak leaving is if Simeone goes to Atletico or to Inter Milan, which won't happen this summer because mm. it looks like Allegri is the is the the guy. If if Conte and that's if walks, Conte actually leaves, which I don't <laughs> so there's think a lot will. of levels. To I, I don't think he will, but I I, I don't think they'll lose Oblak. I don't think Oblak will want to come to England anyway. Mm. Maybe PSG. I mean. Look, if if you're looking for a home for for De Gea, PSG is the place. Yeah, they'll happily take on that wage, and they'll give you you know a decent enough sum, nowhere near the hundred million or so you probably would have got pre-slump. But you'd probably get fifty or sixty million from him. He's still in his prime. He's still a great goalkeeper when he's on form. Um, yeah. I just wonder if if maybe the years of of having to be Superman behind a defense that couldn't stop anybody. Just took its toll on De Gea, and maybe this is just what he is now. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but the mm. last two years haven't been good. But I, it's it's genuinely like you go into each match a goal down at the moment, and, and you, yeah. And you can you can debate whether or not each each time it's uh, his fault or not. But the I I don't actually have their clean sheet numbers in front of me, so hopefully I'm not speaking super out of turn. But it genuinely feels like every match there's something that De Gea does that that causes a, a a goal to go in his own net. And especially like where, where Tottenham are right now, like people are confused about why we'd potentially let Oriego, which I'm kind of on the side of, but we're at the point where under Jose, we are starting to eliminate the players that make mistakes mm. because that's what costs you points. That's what costs you places in the table. That's what costs you trophies and titles. And I just think that that's at a certain point, they're going to get there with De Gea of recognizing that, he is hurting our chances to win. Yes, he's making a lot of really brilliant saves in a lot of matches, but at a certain point, those two don't offset. That's exactly the thing. And while De Gea will probably make saves that Henderson isn't capable of making over the course yeah. of the year, I think 
as things stand, Henderson is less likely to cost you points over the course season. I mean, look back at Dean Henderson's last season. The only real mm-hmm. mistake I can remember was at home to Liverpool um, when he when he fluffed um, fluffed the ball and, and let Ginny Wijnaldum score the winner. De Gea, it's a lot. I mean, United kept 10 clean sheets, I think, in the Premier League last year. Their fans are, are you know, happy with the, the 21 they kept over all competitions, but look at the calibre of teams they were keeping them against. Like yeah, you Copenhagen can't count those with, with the early yeah, stages of the Europa League. That's no, just exactly. an, an and, insane and thing played, to lean on. They played weak teams in their cup runs as well. I mean, let's not pretend they were knocking out good teams. I mean, the, they played the Chelsea reserves, basically. Chelsea played seven non-first-team players in that game. Wolves was probably the best team they played in the FA Cup, and they needed a replay to beat them, and Wolves left Rui Patricio out of the game. So... You know, the cup runs were, were good, but they weren't, you know, it's not like they were knocking out top teams. Um, De Gea is the biggest question mark, for sure. You assume Pogba will stay um, at this point, but... Yeah, sounds like it. You know, for them, hopefully, because he's obviously, you know, an immense player. But they need to find the partner for him. They have work to do, and I, I just don't think Sancho and Grealish fix the problems. I think it's a bit like, as we talked about earlier, when they saw... Or, or, sorry, on the, on the first part, when they signed Falcao and Di Maria, it's great. It gets the fans excited, but it's not what you need. Um, mm. And I just, I genuinely think that signing either of them would would hamper the development of Mason Greenwood. And if I was them, I would be looking at Mason Greenwood and going, "This is the guy that we're building around. This is yeah. the best talent to maybe ever come out of our academy." May, and Martial and Rashford aren't in in the wrong age profile to still be exactly. there when he gets there. Exactly. Like, like what, what's Rashford twenty two, twenty three, and yeah, maybe Martial is Martial's like twenty five or twenty six probably. But that's they still point. got four or five. You know, Martial still has four or five really good years mm-hmm. ahead of him. At which point Greenwood's only going to be twenty three, twenty four. That's that's something you can be really excited about if you're a United fan. Um, yeah, I, I think all in all promising like you though i do have them i do have them in fifth for next season because i think they're i don't think they're going to do the right things this summer um and i worry that i worry that ed woodward is just so bad at the transfer side of things that he will hamper what should be progression for them yeah. Um, also, just uh, a brief mea culpa. Uh, Anthony Martial is still 24 and will be until December. How is he still so young? He's been at United five years now. It's absolutely yeah, crazy. ridiculous how, how long he's been there. Um, right, so next up then is Newcastle. Do you want to lead us through those? Yeah, so Newcastle, I think, uh, deserve a lot of credit for what they did last year. They're, they're my first... Uh, Outside of Liverpool, uh, they're my first A, my only A that didn't win a title, I guess. Um, it, it might seem high to people, but who and like feel free to fess up or raise your hands or whatever you do to signify fault. Who didn't have them relegated mm. when they made predictions at the start of last season? Like the the sacking of Rafa, the bringing in of Steve Bruce, the losing Rondon, who was their top scorer, um, gambling forty million on Joe Ellington, like. I I would be very surprised if there are many people that aren't Newcastle fans that thought that they had a chance at staying up, and they stayed up pretty comfortably. Yeah, um, ending up what thirteenth? Thirteenth. Uh, it's, yeah. it's 
that's pretty dang good. Um, and so, yes, I mean, 13th isn't an incredible achievement, but but given what was expected of them and what they have, I, I think it was. Um, especially when you consider, like I said, you had um, Joe Ellington, who was just didn't score goals, actually had some decent uh, chances in the cup runs, but never really looked a threat um, in the league, except, of course, he scored against Tottenham <laughs> by running off of Jackson Sanchez's left shoulder, which I'm pretty confident either of us could also replicate. Um, but um, And then you also bring in uh, Jetro Willems. You think you finally sorted your left back position. He was playing really well, but gets injured again, which is his primary issue. What he does. Continues to, yeah, it continues to happen for him, which was obviously soul-crushing for them. So you're bringing these players for... For big money, they don't work out, and to still finish as high as they did, I think is is just really, really admirable. Um, Shelby leading them with six goals probably isn't going to cut it <laughs> going forward. Um, I, I think they desperately need to st- uh, strengthen up front. I think the midfield's probably okay, as is. Um, you need a left back. You need a right back. You, you... Do you do you go out and buy another high profile striker again? Like it feels like you have to. Mm. Uh, Jake even mentioned that if they can't get the best out of Joelton, maybe they should play him on the wing, just to try to get something out of the forty million that they paid for him. Is it's it's uh, not a good time over there um, for options for them? It sounds like Herving Lozano they're interested in, uh, and and I saw that a different club came in to loan him and that Napoli already think he's heading to Newcastle, which is very surprising. I cannot confirm the veracity of those, uh, of those reports, but if they got him in, that obviously solves the other wing issue, uh, opposite of Sam Maximin, who was terrific. Um, at the back, I hope they come back in for, for Danny Rose. I'm not particularly confident. It doesn't sound like that's what's happening. Uh, and a lot of people think that Max Ahrens is ready to step up to a top six club, but I don't think he is. I think going to a club like Newcastle and starting every week would actually be a pretty good step for him career-wise. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think definitely uh, two fullbacks are needed. Um, Mankio is a solid enough player, but he's inconsistent. Um, and your American compatriot just isn't a football player. I'm sorry, but DeAndre Yadlin Nope. Is. He's a sprinter uh, masquerading as a football player. Um, I think the first thing they need to figure out is what their shape is going to be. Is it going to be four at the back or is it going to be five at the back? If mm. it's five at the back, I, I'd argue they probably need one more center back as well as the two wing backs. I think Fernandez... Yeah, especially really with, with the injuries that struck Lascelles and... Uh... And Lujan. Yeah. And, you know, I think Shar is, is good, but I think if he's your fourth centre-back and Lujan is your fifth centre-back, just Lujan is probably the best at the club, but the injuries. So he, if he's your fifth, then that's really strong. And you can start Fernandez and Lachelle's plus one. Um, I, John Stones maybe is an option if they're sticking to a five. Um, could be a good fit. Fullback-wise, I don't think they'll have the budget for Max Ahrens, but I do think Jaden Bogle from, from Derby County could be a really nice fit there. Um, I think they've missed a trick at left-back by not going for Anthony Robert, uh, Anthony Robinson yeah. from Wigan. But maybe Rico Henry from Brentford, who won't cost a ton, maybe 8 to $10 million. Really good going forward. Solid defender. Quick. Could be a good fit there. Um like you, obviously Rose would be a would be a good fit, but it doesn't appear like that, that. Like that's likely. They're sorted in midfield because they've managed. It looks like to keep Matty Longstaff, so you keep him. 
Shelby, mm-hmm. um, Sean Longstaff, and obviously Cousin Jeff is coming in there as well. I think to replace Ben Taleb, yeah. Yeah, I, I think Ben Taleb is one they should have tried harder to keep, but the price is probably just He didn't much. impress. I, I really he don't didn't. blame them. Like I like him as a player, but he didn't force them to buy him. But again, like I said on, on the last pod, I just wonder when you loan a player in, especially when it's only for six months, and there's so much uncertainty around your club, are you really going to get the best of them? I, I think if he's if he's bought by somebody, you get the best out of him. Like, in January, they brought in him and they brought in Lazaro. Both of them I really like. Both of them really good fits in the in the, the three five two or whatever way they wanted to shape it. But neither of them performed because I just think there was too uncertainty for too much uncertainty for both. I expect to see really good gone. things. Yeah, I think Lazaro will be really good for um for Gladbach because they've got that option to buy. So I think he'll go to impress and, and get to stay there. Um, but if they play, you know, four at the back, four across the midfield. Say you go with Longstaff and w- w- one of the Longstaffs and Shelby. Um, St. Maximum on one wing. I think maybe you're better off playing Almiron as a winger and mm-hmm. getting someone up front who'll score goals alongside Jolington. Now, as you said, the question is, who do you go for? Like, or maybe it's St. Maximum up front and then that's why they're after Lozano. That's possible. I- I'm not sure he'll get you the goals you require, though. And scoring yeah. 38 league goals is not sustainable. Um, when you consider that of the teams that stayed up, only one team scored less than them, and that was Palace, who you expect. Yeah. But Palace still ended up with a better goal difference than um, than Newcastle. I I think they they need to go and find someone who'll get them goals. I mean, Rian Brewster on loan is Ooh. is a good fit. I think um, suited to playing with a big man. So if Jolinton is just kind of your second striker slash target man, and Brewster plays around and off him. Uh, Eddie and Kethia from from Arsenal on loan would be another one that I'd consider if I was them. Um, but they do have options. It's just the big question is what's their budget for the year? Because and we have no idea. That's exactly the thing. I don't even think Steve Bruce has any idea what his budget is. I, you know, I I just I think Newcastle are in a bad situation at the moment. And I, I offer my apologies to, to Jake Jackman. I have Newcastle in my in my bottom three for next year. I have them 19th. Um, I hope they prove me wrong because I like Newcastle. I think their fan base is one of the best in the league. I think they deserve good things. But as things stand, I have them 19th for next year. Yeah, I, I think I have a slightly rosier view. Have them in 16th. Uh, obviously safe by a couple of spots. But... I mean, like we've talked about with some of the other ones on the previous show, there, there's a wide range of outcomes for Newcastle, mm. depending on how they handle things, depending on how much money they have, depending on which positions they fill if they don't have the money. Because, you know, th- there's a very real possibility that they need to pick which of their holes to fill, not how to fill all of their holes. Um, so it'll really it'll really tell. And that's why I think the striker thing is, has to be so difficult for them. Is they just spent so much on a striker, and that's like their most glaring need, but potentially outside of the wingbacks. Maybe if you get the wingbacks and you just lob it into Joe Ellington's big face, maybe he nods a couple into the back of the net. But it's possible. Yeah, not, like he's a good player. He's a much better player than we've seen at Newcastle. 
True, but he, what did he only score like seven goals the previous year in Germany as well? Yeah. Like I, but but he's not. It, it was he's always your, a gamble. He's not your goal scoring nine. That's what he right. is, just not. I thought he looked a lot better in the, the few games he played with Dwight Gale, where he yeah, had the cups, someone yeah, yeah. around him. That's why, like for me, Brewster or Anketia, I think would be could, a, could go there and fill their boots. Uh, a postmodern little big man. Yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah. you gave them an A. I've got them on a B. Like you, I think they massively, um, massively outperformed expectations, and and congrats to them on it. Um. But I think it's it's going to be another tough year. Um, next up then is Norwich, uh, relegated bottom of the league. Didn't spend any money. Didn't seem to really have any ambition to stay up. It kind of seemed like they came up to go back down, reload, and then try again. But I, I think they'll get cannibalized this summer. Um, I don't think there's any chance that Max Ahrens, Jamal Lewis, Emmy Buendia or Todd Cantwell are at Norwich next season. Um, mm. I think of, of the five that have been rumoured, I think Godfrey's the one that may stay. Um, I think the others will all get plucked. Very disappointing season for them, obviously. But I will give them credit. They came up playing a certain way. They stuck to their principles. They didn't do anything rash. They didn't do anything stupid. They didn't panic by in January, even though you know it would have been you know, it would have been at least showing a little bit of ambition to go and buy one or two in January that you could bring down with you, but that could have helped you maybe stay up. Um, so it's it's an F for me because you know you got relegated. So Saws. Um, yeah, but there's good players there. There is there's good players at Norwich. Yeah, it's kind of like what we talked about earlier. Like we we can bloviate on on styles and and performances and and purple patches and all of that, but it, it's a results business. And like you said, the the goal was staying up, and they didn't do it. it. It looked like a bright start for them with the Daniel Farka, and then obviously Timo Puki was like leading the league in goals, <laughs> like October or November. Obviously, that dried up uh, pretty fast for them. Um, I was a little surprised by by the lack of fight in them towards the end. Um, I just thought that they would have put forth more, but but you mentioned uh, they kind of came up to go down. They finished worst in both goals and goals conceded. That's not going to work out for you, typically. Um, they actually had a decent cup run uh, in the FA Cup after beating Tottenham uh, on penalties, but yeah, it, it's it it has to be an F, doesn't it? I, I had a D minus written right in front of my face because I was like, they started well in the cups, but yeah, no, it, it just wasn't enough. And you're right. <coughs> I do think they're going to lose a lot of their players. Although I do think it's interesting that, that it, it's really quiet on a lot of these budget players right now. And I'm just wondering if everybody's trying to figure out like their primary targets first and they're like, ah, we'll get a clutch of, of these uh, high talented relegated players. Cause, cause the overall batch, you know, between, Watford and Ishmael Asar and and uh, obviously the Norwich lads that you've already mentioned and, and uh, Bournemouth who we talked about earlier arguably the the most talented squad to go down of late mm. yeah, yeah I, I I'm just curious to see where all of they go so I do think there's a high chance that their squad gets cannibalized and they they have to kind of start over from scratch but it doesn't really seem like there's a lot of solid noise on a lot of their players yet so uh, maybe if they can hold on to to two. Of, of the five-ish that you mentioned, maybe then they're all right in the championship. I do think they're set up well. A lot of their players have that experience because they didn't 
buy too much from outside of of uh, their squad, and the ones that they did didn't really get into the team for a while. So uh, they're definitely familiar with with the surroundings. That, uh, we mentioned, put you know, Bournemouth are in a bad enough spot that neither of us would be surprised if in like three to five years they're in League One. I don't think that's the case for Norta. I think we'll see them back in the Premier League by then. Yeah, I agree. I think Norwich are a really well-run club. Um, I mean, look, it, with the way they're pricing their players this summer, it's possible that other than Buendia, who I think is definitely going to go because there's so much interest in him, maybe they can keep the rest. Maybe the likes of of Lewis and Aaron's and Cantwell and Godfrey will look at it and go, well, like we're still really young. We know that if we go down into the championship, we'll be among the best teams down there from day one. With a couple yeah, they'd of... favour themselves to come back up. Oh, absolutely. If, if they and with together. a couple of smart additions. I mean, look, Tim Krul is a, a good goalkeeper. I think they need an experienced leader at the back to go with those three youngsters. I think they need at least one in midfield. Um, someone who can put their foot in the ball and control a game. They got it in Skip. Oh, they got Ollie well, Skip. That's a really d- good d- shout. D- so, depends on your opinion of him as no, a player. No, I like Skip. Far, I like Ollie Skip. I think he's a good player. Um, so you put him in. They, they like I said, I think they'll lose Buendia. So you probably want two more attacking, a, a winger and a, and a kind of a, a ten type. But if hmm. they get, uh, assuming they lose Buendia, which assuming they, they almost lose certainly, and then like Pookie will get you goals. I think they could probably do with someone to give him a bit of a helping hand. Mm. I think Ivan Tony from Peterborough Ooh, yeah, would yeah. be a really good fit there. Um, he seems to have ambitions to be a Premier League player, though. But I think Ivan Tony could be... Like, you could play Tony and Pookie up front and just buy one winger and go, you know, 4-4-2 with Cantwell off the left and a pacey winger down the other side. Um, if Newcastle get an actual striker, maybe they, they're the ones that come sniffing around Gale. Yeah. Where they obviously know what he can do at that level. Exactly. Or, we talked about him in the last one, Vidra always does well in the championship. So, yep. there'll be options for them. And they will, they'll be smart. I don't think there'll be any um, rash moves. They've got a really good director of football in Webster. I think Fark is a good coach. Um, it's clear that you know, they've got players that can stay in the Premier League, but if they don't need to sell them and with the market the way it is at the moment, it's possible they manage to keep hold of a couple of them. Um all power to them. I like Norwich. I've always liked Norwich as a club. I love Carroll Road. Growing up they were always one of the teams you kept an eye on because they had the yellow jerseys, they had Rural Fox, Chris Sutton, um, you know, that iconic kind of red brick outside to Carroll Road they had back in the day. Just always like Norwich. So I, I, I'm I'm hopeful of seeing Norwich back in the Premier League in the next the next two years, I think. Um yeah. all in all, not the not the season they wanted, but not the disaster that it is for Bournemouth. Yeah, agreed. Uh next up then, uh Sheffield Sheffield United. <laughs> not Sheffield once they're Sheffield dealing Wednesday. with all kinds of issues. Um, but Sheffield United certainly did not. Uh, I've given them an A. You, you, you can you can hit them with with the blame for missing out on a European spot after being there for so long. But they had arguably no business being up there in the first place. They were bottom five in goals scored, and they were in the top five for a stretch of the season. You you, you just can't you just can't keep pulling that off. But um, I, I was really impressed by what they did. Both of us gave them 
uh, pretty good grades in the windows. Um, they took a lot of big swings on transfers. Uh, a lot of them didn't work out, uh, but they were often low risk. But the ones that, that obviously worked out were Dean Henderson and Sander Berga, um, both of whom played vital roles for them throughout the season. Um, Berga, of course, scoring against Tottenham because I said we would have liked to have signed him, and then he immediately scored against us, uh, as is tradition. Um, but uh, at the start of the season, uh, we and many others talked about their tactics and basically said that that's how they would live and die. And I honestly think we've done them a bit of a disservice. I, I was really impressed by the talent level of those defenders and the communication level that they all had. Like, um, I'm, I'm sure you know in American sports, if you'll if you'll forgive me, um, the system quarterback label gets put on a lot of people that are part of like really good schemes. Um, and it kind of undercuts the ability like of the Smith. actual players. Yeah, like Alex Smith, who, by the way, holy crap that he's back playing football after what happened to his leg. Mm. But, um, but yes, it, and it's kind of used derogatorily. And while I think Wilder certainly deserves credit and the tactics certainly help his players shine, I think saying that it only that, that Sheffield United were only good because they have underlapping CBs TM. Um, I, I think does them a disservice. They they played really well. I think the the stretch that Lundstrom had was incredible. I I think replacing him with Berga was the right call. I I don't think Lundstrom is the better of the two of them, but they were great. Um, at the back, Egan and Stevens and Baldock and all of them just really good. Obviously, it helps that they had Dean Henderson behind them mopping up anything they messed up. But like we were talking earlier about how um defensive threes can be kind of a lazy mm. um option if you're not doing it right and you have to communicate if you have a three because the spaces that exist are different than the ones that you're used to so just having that extra defender can sometimes actually be a a detriment but they they handle it so 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 well um amongst them so much so that like uh at the start of the season oh who do they they signed jackie elka and we were like ooh, a little premier league experience throw it in there i i think he barely played yeah um for them because the the group they have is so solid so really impressed by them and I, I don't see that getting worse per se um i think people will find ways around it more wow i'm just sticking with americanisms but uh like your second time around the rotation as a pitcher i i think there will be some of that people will be more familiar with what they do um both as individuals and tactically at the whole so i i think they might uh not finish as high next season as they did this season which was a pretty down year for a lot of the bigger clubs but Really impressed by them, and if if at the restart that Hawkeye decision doesn't go against them, they're still in the battle for the European spots. I think the reason why they dipped after that was, you know, they were so egregiously and inarguably hard done by that I just think it was hard for them to come back. And even with that, they still got wins against uh, Tottenham and Chelsea. It was just a little too late um, for them. But I think they were always due for some regression in the second half of the season, and obviously it came hard after the restart, but I, I'm just really, really impressed by what they did. Um, the striker situation needs improving. They, they, they've got four, but they don't have one, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, so they, they really need to deal with that. A lot of the squad I think I'm okay with, though. Maybe a wide player? Maybe, but it really feels like the more you tinker with the squad, the the less special it will be. Um, which obviously a lot of championship sides hope when they come up of like, maybe if we don't change too much, we'll be just as good. And I think that's what they managed. Um, and I think it would take a while for a new player to really adjust. Um, but I think striker is a place where that's the least important because all you have to do is help them score more than 39 goals as a team all season. It's an average of just over one a game. 
um, which I think uh, is something they could do. If you're looking for budget options, I, I think Dini might actually be a decent one. They were top five in crosses this year. Like if you just want to lump him up front and head in stuff and antagonize and score penalties, even if it's like 10 goals, that's still way better than anything you had this season. If you're looking across uh, the sea, I think the really interesting one for me would be Veghorst. Um, who would just be like a big thundering presence for all of those crosses that you get from the overs and, and underlaps. Um, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't I don't think you can do much to the squad, which which might end up hurting them long term, because if they don't invest, if they don't learn how to grow, you know, if, if, if you aren't growing, you're dying in that mm. kind of context. But but for what they have right now, I, I think they're mostly fine just getting a striker that can take advantage of your style of play a bit more. I think they could do with bringing in um, a squad centre-back um, because I think when, when they lost the centre-back after the restart and Jack Robinson had to oh, start a lot. Egan got the red card. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Robinson had to start and then that's where they had like kind of their dip um, because they were they had such a settled back five that once one of them went out, it just didn't work quite as well. Um, so I'd probably look to bring in one there and then maybe one wing-back who can cover both sides. Um, just to mm. spell a little bit and, and kind of give a bit of rest. They've obviously this is going to be a random shout, but I really like Nuno Tavares, who can do both sides. Yeah. It, it seems a very un-Sheffield United sign. It does. Um, but, it, I mean, look, Sander Berger didn't seem like a Sheffield United signing. And <laughs> oh, they went true. and they got him. They brought in Ramsdale. It's a step down from Henderson, but Ramsdale is arguably just as good as Henderson was when he went there. They've got a great. Ooh, fair. That's a really good point, actually. You know, they've got a great goalkeeping coach, and I think I think they'll do. Um, I think they'll put the work in, and they know him. He and their defense limits types of shots exactly. Like it, it narrows the range of outcomes a lot for a goalkeeper. There, that's the thing. Like they're not a team that goes to back three because they don't know how to set up. They play a back three because that's how they want to play. It's not a like a panic move. It's what they do. Um. I agree with you. They definitely need to bring in a striker to partner Mousset. Uh, McBurney is fine off the bench. Uh, is is Mousset the one you're sticking with? I'd, I'd start. You, you, you like the pace and finishing? Yeah, I think if you bring in, like you, you mentioned uh, Weghorst, I think you bring in him, play him with Mousset, I think that works. Again, it's it's the little and large kind of thing, but it might just be something that works. They, they could be another club that could look at a Callum Wilson. Um, yeah. I would suggest that they should maybe look to bring in another quality midfielder. Another player of Sander Berger's profile, talent level. Because Do you think that would disrupt things? And I hate to interrupt, but the only thing that made me think about, and I forgot I wanted to mention this with Bournemouth, is we both liked them signing Billing and Lerma because mm-hmm. we thought it would give them balance. But it actually kind of disrupted the way that they played. And I'm just curious if like bringing in a, like, a true attacking midfielder, at least a midfielder that likes to drive forward a bit more, might actually kind of mess with the balance there. It might. But that's going to be the risk, Kev. I mean, look, they came up with a very set... Well... Other than the front two, they came up with a very set goalkeeper back five and midfield three. And that's fine. And one of the big things they had this year was that continuity and how often those teams, those players played together. But the problem is the teams will eventually figure them out. And there's a ceiling on every player. And it may be that the ceiling on a John Fleck, a John Lundstrom and an Ollie Norwood isn't high enough if you want to progress and become... 
you know, a really good team. Um, the player I would suggest, and it would mean a slight shift in shape from a midfield three to a two and a one with an attacking midfielder, and I mentioned him for Leicester earlier on, is David Brooks, who came yeah. to their academy. And they know him really well. Yeah, if they could get him back. If they could bring him back, they've already done a deal with Bournemouth, so they've already got a, you know an open line of communication there. I think if you add David Brooks to this team, either playing up front with somebody or just off a two or off a one, use him in different ways. I think David Brooks makes all the sense for Sheffield United. Bring him back where he was formed. I don't think they need to do a whole lot. Like I said, one for depth at the back. Get someone young. You know, it doesn't have to be a, a big name player. It doesn't have to be anyone exciting. Someone that you can develop. Someone that you can, you know, come to rely on. Um, the same with, with the wing backs. Just somebody who can do you a job seven to ten times a game. Seven to ten times a season on both flanks. You know, between the cups and whatever else. One up front who can take advantage of the volume of crosses. And they did create quite a few good chances. It's just that McBurney's not hes not a clinical finisher. Billy Sharp is past his best, and his best was probably championship level anyway. Mm. Um, and I think Robinson and McGoldrick, though they have attributes, I think, again, they're both more championship level players. And you have to kind of play them with somebody to get enough from one player exactly. out of. Like, they complement each other, but in a way where it's taking up an extra squad spot. That's the thing. Um, so I'd, I'd be looking for a starter in in attack and a starter in midfield to to start to step the level up a little bit. Now, I have them dropping into the bottom half for next season um, because it's the second season, and the second season can often be tougher than the first season. I don't think they'll be in the relegation battle. I think they'll be fine from that, that point of view. Uh, I also gave them an A for this past season, and had it not been for Klopp, Chris Wilder was my manager of the year. I thought he was magnificent. Mm. Um, but I, I do think they need to be ambitious this summer. They showed that last year. They weren't afraid. They spent 40 or 50 million last summer anyway on, on the strikers they brought in. They spent big money on, on Sander Berger. Like that centre-back, they could go and bring back um, Retzos, the centre-back they had in on loan from Leverkusen. Yeah, I was surprised they didn't trigger that buy, but obviously he wasn't that involved. Um, maybe just go and bring him back on loan again. You know, you could do that. Um, but I, I would look for a striker, and I, I would bring back David Brooks. Mm. And and for personal bias reasons, a really talented player that doesn't yet know how to defend Juan Foyt. That would benefit us a lot if we could loan him somewhere like there. Although they might not really love the play style, but he could get up and down. Yeah. On that. Yeah, it's very, very um, true. But yeah, I, I also have them dropping out of the top 10. I have them at 11th, but... Uh, I don't think they'd be too disappointed with with that kind of finish. I, I just imagine the fans probably have that like little bit of dim perception of the season. Just they they were higher up the table for so long. It, it just has to sting a little bit that, that they weren't able to to capitalize on that. But if if they can come up and establish themselves, kind of like Palace did, of like they're going to finish somewhere between eighth and fourteenth every year, never really worry about relegation. I, I think that that's a, a very good stable place to build on strength-wise long-term. So if they can come up and continue to hit in that mid-table area, I think that's definitely a success for the club. I agree. And let's remember, last year was their 
it was only their fourth season as a Premier League team since the, the Premier League era began. Ninth is their highest ever Premier League finish. They finished 18th in, yeah. in 06, 07. Um, they finished 14th in 92, 93 and 20th in 93, 94. So two years is their longest Premier League spell. Now they'd been a, yeah. they'd been a top flight, flight club for four years at that point. But the last time they finished ninth in the top flight was 91, 92, which was the last year of the old division one. So if they can just stay in the Premier League, forget that third year and start to solidify themselves, there's absolutely no yeah, reason they can't target. absolutely no reason they can't establish themselves as a as a solid mid table team who have good cup runs. They're exciting to watch. They've always had a good academy. They've always brought through decent players. You go back to the likes of Jack Yelka, Michael Tong, um, Kyle Walker, Kyle Norton, David Brooks. Mm-hmm. It's a solid it's a solid club. And they've got money behind them as well. So yeah, I, I I think you know I have them a little bit lower. I have them I think at fourteenth, thirteenth, thirteenth mm. for next season. But again, I think it'd be a comfortable year in the Premier League, and um and then they can you know add a little bit more the next year, go and buy another couple of new starters and start to build your team and transition in a manageable way. Don't do what Bournemouth did, which is fall in love with the players that got you there and think, right. well, they got us here. They're part of the team. They know the system. They know the style. Always look to progress or you're not going anywhere. Um, next up then, uh, as we move through the S's, we have Southampton. Uh, a season of two halves. Looked nailed on for relegation as Leicester knocked nine past them on their own ground. But from there, turned it around. And a really, really impressive run to land themselves in 11th spot. And, you know, one more win here or there. They could have been a top a top 10 club. Um, I think Ralph uh, Husenhattel is one of the better managers in the league. I think, despite what they say, I think Hoiberg is a big loss to them. I think he was so important in that turnaround. Yes, they had a great run when lockdown lifted with him out of the team. But mm. a lot of those games they were playing were nothing games against teams who weren't really trying all that hard. So I wouldn't put too much stock in those games. But I'd give them, it's again, it's it's an F for the first couple of months and then probably a B moving forward. So I'll give them a C- minus overall. Um, They've already brought in Kyle Walker-Peters, well, or kept Kyle Walker-Peters, brought him in a permanent deal. So with him and Bertrand, they have their fullbacks. Um, they've obviously brought in uh, their new centre-back, whose name escapes me. Is it Sila? Can't think. Him and Bed, mm. him and Bednarak, maybe the partnership to move forward with could be good. Ward Prowse in midfield. I think they need one in midfield. I think they need one attacking midfielder because they play that box midfield. So mm-hmm. I'd, I'd look for a holding midfield player, someone who's a little bit better than than uh, Romeo, who's good but aging. Um, one attacking midfielder who can maybe add some goals. Uh, Jesse Lingard is who I think would actually be a really good fit. Suits playing a pressing game, times his runs well, can play off the ball, gets in and around the box. And then up front, you know, they've got Ings, they've got Che Adams. I'd maybe look for a striker as well. So I think they've done good business so far. I think they've got, you know, solid goalkeepers, goalkeeping options with McCarthy. Gunn is better than we saw last year. 
and Forster was great for Celtic. Um, one in midfield and attacking midfielder and one up front. And I think Southampton will be more than comfortable next season. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. Also, um, maybe maybe a little too lightweight, but I, I had a uh, Rodrigo de Paul for them. Yeah. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Like it does look like what they will do is they look to move on. Um, Buffal. Mm-hmm. You know, so so a, to bring in a creative type um, would be beneficial because Armstrong obviously plays in that midfield, uh, those attacking midfield roles as well. I assume they'll be expecting big things from Musa Genepo in, in year two. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, a Rodrigo de Paul as that creative goal scorer type could very well be be a really good fit. Um, I I don't think they need much like. Obafemi and Long, they're good squad options. Do we think Obafemi's ever going to make it? Because he was really highly touted, but we just see glimpses of him, and I don't know if I've ever felt convinced. I'm not convinced he's a Premier League player. I think he's a good player. I think he'd be good for a championship team looking for that kind of energetic, hardworking striker who can play centrally or wide. Uh, Unfortunately for him, he's at a club that has quite a few of those players. I mean, Redmond is that type of player. Mm. Adams is kind of that type of player as well, central to deep. Um, Ings is, you know, start central, drops off, you know, good movement. I think they need more of a focused penalty box type. I mean, you mentioned Veghurst earlier on. He'd be an interesting one. I don't know if he's an ideal fit, but someone that can occupy defenders and that Mm. Ings could play off. Um, I think would be would be a good fit there, but I wouldn't write off Che Adams. I I know he didn't have a great season, but he looked better after the restart. He's really good at Birmingham. Yeah. At Birmingham, really good. Yeah, there were a lot of people competing for his signature, um, coming out of there. So yeah, I, I think they're in a I think they're in a pretty good spot. I was also similarly pretty pretty impressed by them. I, I have to use the stack because ever since I saw it, it's just destroyed my mind. Southampton picked up more points after the loss to Leicester than Leicester did. Yeah, staggering. just incredible. Absolutely, it's, it's so so interesting. Mohamed um, Salisu and, is the name of that centre back. I couldn't remember. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. He looks really good. Um, he looks really, really yeah, promising. He does. It's a really good signing. It it fixes the Vestergaard mistake that we both thought was a mistake when it happened. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I, I think it's it's a, a pretty good time for Southampton. We we mentioned what was it two Januarys ago when they they made some questionable calls, but they brought in uh, Hasenhutl, and we were like, eh, whatever on the players. The important thing is that they got they got their manager, and that that that's become very clear when we did our Southampton uh, end of season segment. Um, the, the guest mentioned that uh, the board formally stated that they'd rather get rid of all the players than Hasenhutl, <laughs> which was like. All right, well, that's that's a pretty good. That's that's not the uh, endorsement of death, TM. <laughs> that managers usually get. So yeah, I I think it's a, it's a really good time for them. Like you mentioned, they sorted out the wing backs. They probably need one more in midfield. Mm. I, I don't even know if they need a striker. I think you're right. I think just give Che Adams another year and see if yeah, see if he can works. become it. Yeah, you can go yeah, again yeah. in January if need be. Like it's yeah. it's funny though when you look through the squad, you do see. Like, there's some glaring mistakes that they've made in the transfer yeah. market. Vestergaard is one. 
Wesley Hoyt is another. Um, yeah. Mario Lamina. I thought that was a good one. Who I think time. I think Mario Lamina is a really good player. He just I like Lamina. Never yeah. worked uh, at, at Southampton. Unfortunately, he'll be out on loan again this year. They're never going to get any money back in him. Bufal, you probably would put him in the mistake categories. Had some good moments, but overall uh, a disappointment. And, and Guido Carrillo, who might be one of the worst signings in Premier League history. Do you remember three years in a row they bought strikers who had never hit ten goals in a season. Yeah. That was incredible. Wasn't Way a good to look. Go. I mean, they might not need the the holding midfield. I mean, another one is who's on loan again at Celtic for next year. Um, El Yunusi, who's a talented hmm. wide player, but just didn't didn't work for them. A lot depends on Harrison Reed if he stays. Yeah, but Fulham have that option to buy him, and I think they'd be foolish not to buy him. Um, if he stays, they don't need that holding midfielder because you know him, Ward Prowse, and Romeo is is enough because you've got the likes of Will Smallbone and some. Other young midfielders there who can play. They made a sneaky move for Skip late in the game, but it was too late. <clears throat> if he wasn't going to cost an absolute fortune, um, Harry Winks would be a lovely fit there. Mm. Harry Winks would be absolutely perfect for for how they want Ooh, to play. I have I have a continental shout for you that I think could go to a bigger club, but apparently the big clubs don't want defensive midfielders, which is how Berga ended up at Sheffield United. What about a little Baptiste Santa Maria? Oh yeah, he's he's really good. Coming off a really impressive incredible season. incredible season, and they could probably afford him. No, he wouldn't be that expensive. Yeah, like like eighteen to twenty two max. If even if look at where he's coming from, people need to rate defensive midfielders more highly. Just it look, blows my mind. Look at every team who's won the Premier League recently. Yeah, Liverpool with Fabinho, City with Fernandinho. Chelsea and Leicester with Kante, that ball-winning midfielder is the most important thing you can buy. And everyone sleeps on it. It's incredible. Um, I mean, I think that's what they bought Lamina in the hope he would be, but that's not what he was for them. And then it just kept ending up being Romeo. Always Romeo. No matter what. They tried to change Hoybier into it as well. But I think I think Southampton will be comfortable in midfield in in mid table this season. Mm-hmm. Don't think they'll have any worries. Um, they're going in the right direction. They'll upset some of the big teams. They'll I think they'll have a couple of big signature wins this year because their style isn't yeah. nice to play against because they're really high tempo. They press aggressively. They use the ball cleverly, and I can only imagine that Danny Ings is horrible to try and defend against. <laughs> because he's he never stops moving. He has pace that he doesn't look like he should have. Like, if you see Danny Ings jog, you think, that guy has not caught an athletic boat in his body. I'd say he <laughs> runs like a, like a building. And then he just takes off, and you can't keep up with him. But he's, like, he's always nipping at your ankles. He's thrown himself into everything. I wouldn't like to try and defend against Danny Ings. And, <laughs> and I think he will... Maybe take a slight step back. I don't know that he'll get 20 again next year, but he'll be good for 15 to 18 goals again next year. Mm. And if, as long as he stays healthy. Yeah, exactly. And if Jennifer steps up, I, I think that's he's a potential star for them. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, I have them I have them projected for ninth next year. Oh, so, top uh, half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think they're in a really good place. I think they're they've they've been under uh Hasenhutl long enough to understand what's wanted of them. And uh, 
I think they're addressing some some positions that they needed to already with Walker Peters and and like you mentioned, like they they got a little lucky with some of the results uh, post Hoybier and maybe that's a position they need to strengthen. Like we mentioned, a, a couple of names that that could fill that role for them. But I I have every faith for some reason that they're gonna they're gonna handle things better more under Hasenhutel. I know he's not in charge of of personnel, uh, player personnel, but. I don't know. I, they've made a lot of mistake buys, which we've talked about. For, but for some reason, I feel like that's in the past. But mm. that could just be misplaced confidence. But yeah, yeah, I got him in the top half for next year. I, I think Ings continues to drive them forward. Ward Prowse is finally developing. For a while, I was worried he was going to get stuck in that Redmond mold. He did he stagnate like, well, for a couple of years, didn't he? Yeah, but but I think he, he looked really good this year. So we'll, we'll, we'll see how they do. Right. Now on to your favorite part of the podcast. Oh. Is it? <laughs> I, I give you the floor. Tottenham Hotspur, mm-hmm. 1920. Yeah, so you said I'd enjoy it, but I, <laughs> I don't know about all that. Uh, it was an adventure. Um, so just to get just to rip the Band-Aid off, I've given us a D+, which I went back and looked, and it's not a grade I've ever given before. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if once you get in the Ds, you're always looking downwards, but... We came into the season off the back of another top four finish, the Champions League final, and the most investment we'd seen since Bale departed. And we turned that into sacking Pochettino and a sixth-placed finish. It's not good. Um, you could argue that it fell apart because of the Champions League final. We mentioned in the last segment that um, Pochettino's luster and, and enjoyment of managing clearly went out of him. Uh, the fact that he didn't travel back with the team, I think, really is what doomed him. If there was any decision that that doomed his stay at Tottenham, I think leaving the players to deal with all of that after after promoting himself as a father figure in the dressing room to just leave while everybody else was going through the same thing, I, I think was a really big mistake on his part. Uh, and it, I think it, not just that decision, but the loss on the whole t- took a really heavy toll on the players who obviously haven't won a title yet together, so... I think they they needed it pretty badly to to continue committing. And I think if there's a player that struggled the most, I think it was Jan Vertonghen. I think he used everything that was left in his legs um, in the Ajax match, in the Dortmund match where he had to play left back and was brilliant. I I just think he, he, I think he's 33 now, 34. I I think he just put everything into it and it didn't work. Um, The start of the season wasn't... Too terrible. We we stole a draw against City. I think we drew against Arsenal pretty early as well. Uh, and then had the huge match against Palace, the 4-0. And that really felt like the return to to glory that, that we were expecting. And that was really going to push us on. And then just a few matches later was the, the Leicester match that I talked about earlier when we were talking about them, where uh, we had two consecutive VAR decisions go against us. Aurier was called. His goal was called back because of Sun's armpit offside. And then uh, a pretty weak penalty was given to them. Uh, and they ended up winning 2-1 after we had seen the scoreboard go to 2-0 for us. And I just think that was that was the final stretch. I think Poch limped down a couple more matches, maybe the loss to Brighton, and then he was gone. Personally, would have I, I would have loved to have given them the chance, but it really didn't look like he, he wanted it. Um, so he goes out, you bring in Mourinho in. Some of those early matches are pretty exciting. The West Ham and Burnley matches, both really big wins. But we were still conceding goals. I actually think the Burnley one was 5-0, but the West Ham, I think, was 4-3. Mm. Um, and I think a couple of the ones after that were also, uh, <laughs> we're just going to outscore you because our defense is a mess kind of thing. Um, we had two chances, and, and this is why my grade is so low, even though the turnaround under Mourinho was was noticeable. 
was that we had two chances to overtake Chelsea for fourth place playing them. And both times fell short. Um, and, and I think that was the the really big disappointment. Then obviously we have all of the injuries. First Kane, then Sissoko, then Son, then Bergvine. Um, and it just looked like we were just going to limp to like an eighth to tenth place to finish. Uh, but then, and it kind of feels not great to discuss it this way, but I don't know if there's a side outside of us, maybe Manchester United, that benefited more from the COVID break. Because it meant that four of our starting 11 that weren't going to be able to play again in the season got to play in the run-in. Um, and I think that's what drove us so well. We ended up losing just one match after the restart. Disappointing draw against Southampton. Um, not so disappointing draw against Manchester United based on what happened after that, although the, the penalty call was pretty weak. Um, but I think that's, that's what really saved the season was, was the delay. End up finishing uh, top six in literally sixth. Uh, Arsenal's win in the FA Cup means that we're in the play-in rounds of the Europa League. I don't know if uh, people that are listening have seen what Tottenham's schedule looks like in September. I think it's seven or eight matches, and the season doesn't start until the 12th. Mm. So seven or eight matches in half a month. Uh, weeks where there will be matches on Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday with the Europa League play-ins, the early rate rounds of the Carabao Cup and the Premier League. It's going to be a nightmare. <laughs> um, but I, I am pro-Europa League for us. It's where a lot of our young players came through, like Kane and Mason and Bentaleb and Winks and walker peters back in the day and i i think it's a it's a good competition for us to be in to to get through some of those young players although the timing is pretty funny because we're loaning out all of our young players now i, I think jedson in particular will be a player that really gets to shine in the europa league if we're in it for long lamella as well mm. um but anyway as as for this season uh even after the disappointing chelsea thing we, we were we were still at least in two competitions and we were sold on jose being a winner then we summarily get knocked out of the FA Cup and the Champions League in February. Then the pause, which obviously benefited us. But that's why, after the loss to Sheffield United, you saw so much Jose Mourinho out stuff. Because the point of him was winning, and we weren't winning. So what's the point? Um, then, obviously, we turned things around. The Sun and, and Lloris fight on pitch, I think, really triggered some stuff. I think, uh, as you'll hear in the coming Amazon documentary, Jose Mourinho keeps referring to our squad as a bunch of nice guys, but nice guys don't win. Yeah. I think there was a lot of drama that was held under the lid after the Champions League loss, after such a bad season, after Poch being sacked. And I think Son and Larissa's on-pitch fight opened up the opportunity for everybody to just let out what everybody held who they felt was to blame for all of this stuff, who they thought was underperforming, who wasn't training hard enough, who was a little too laughy in the face of adversity. Um, and I think that that actually really helped galvanize the squad in a more Mourinho way uh, for the rest of the run-in, which obviously uh, went pretty dang well. Um, all wins and then the, the draw to Palace, which ended up being enough. So bright spots at the end. I think um, Lacelso looked terrific. Uh, I think the reason why Ndombele is being slated as much as he has is because Lacelso adapted as well as he did um, this early on. I, I mentioned the Europa League. <laughs> we basically need it because we have so many midfielders. You mentioned Winks yeah. as a potential outgoing. And the only reason I think it won't happen isn't because of any favoritism. It's because of our homegrown issue. We're, we're kind of behind the eight ball on it at the moment. Uh, so I'd be really surprised to see another English player go with Walker Peters and Rose already doing so. Uh, the Joe Hart signing helps some, um, but we basically need to sell foreign players to buy any more going forward. And if we sell Winks, we'd have to do two. Um, 
So if it's Foyth on loan and Aurier, maybe that's why we're hearing those rumors. Yeah. But it it's it's a weird situation to have. But in, in midfield, you have Deli, Lacelso, and Dombele, Jedson, Winks, and Sissoko. It's a lot of players. We we mentioned earlier with Sheffield United that they had two strikers that had to play together to get the 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 um, ability of one out. And I think that's the Winks and Sissoko pairing is they cover each other's flaws well, but you have to play both of them to get that kind of performance, which you know takes up a squad spot that could have been Delhi uh, had he been fit. Um, I think the defense is going to be interesting. Dyer looked pretty good, save for the Sheffield United match where he was dreadful. Davinson still has the fatal over-the-shoulder flaw. Um, he he improved a lot this season. I, I don't want to shortchange him on that, but it's so weird that he can't deal with that issue. Um, but you have a lot of depth there with Toby, Dyer, Davinson, Tonganga, Davis in reserve if you need to, Foyth if we keep him. Um, so so the big question for me is, is the wingbacks. Is the fact that we aren't we aren't looking for a left back means to me that that's where Sessegnon is going to play. Yeah. Um, still not sure if that's that's the right position for him, but we have him. He can play there, and we need it. And he's a big talent. Um, yes, a huge talent, and and he did score today in the friendly. Um, and you know, Mourinho has obviously said, had very promising things to say about him. I think he's a, the better example of of youngsters having a hard time getting into Mourinho teams because Tanganga didn't struggle with it. Um, at all, but I think Sessignon is right on that cusp of still being error prone, still not knowing his position, and Mourinho doesn't see how he can play him regularly without risking results. Um, but but uh, he rejected all the loan moves for him, rejected a transfer offer for him. So I, I think he is our backup left back to start the season, and then Behind you know Davis. if we have issues up, yep, exactly. And then if we have issues up front, he goes in there. <laughs> You're bringing up Davies is a great point. I, just tell say time when when I've <laughs> overrun, but. Um, the really interesting thing under Mourinho is that his best 11 is empirically not our best 11. But that's why, like, Davis is ahead of Sessegnon, because he's solid. Yeah. Davis won't cost you a match. Um, and maybe that's why Aurier is on the way out. Although, I, I got to be honest, I feel really bad about Aurier. He, he improved a lot this year defensively. Uh, he got forward a lot, but wasn't effective doing so, which might be why we're looking to move him on and still has the obvious mistake in waiting at all points. But the fact that he played four matches in three weeks after his brother died, as we tried to chase Europa league is something that I think turned fan opinion Mm -hmm. towards Aurier's favor in a way that a lot of people hadn't seen before. And it wasn't just that he was bothering to play. He was playing well, and yeah. we needed him to, to to get what we needed to. And so the fact that immediately after the season we started hearing these Aurier out rumors, I, it it really hit me the wrong way. If it's him that wants out, if it's him that wants a change, more likely it's his agent that wants money. Uh, I'm comfortable with that. If if we're worried about the error prone thing, it's it's three weeks to the start of the season. Like just bring in somebody better and use him as the backup and see if he can work on that. I don't know. I, my my opinion of Aurier definitely changed this year on the whole, and then personally changed uh, based on how how hard he fought towards the end of the season, just despite having to go through a really horrible personal tragedy. Um, what am I talking about? Oh, it's weird that we sold Walker Peters. That means we're left with one. If we sell Aurier, we have to bring in two right uh, unless backs. Unless Foyth stays, <clears throat> unless Foyth stays, or unless that's where we're planning on getting Tanganga minutes. Yeah, possibly. It's not. It's not what I want. <laughs> it's not ideal. I, yeah, I want him to be a center back. It, it, he he looks so promising in that position. 
Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I'm I'm just gonna ramble forever. Uh, have to get a second striker in. I don't, again, citing the the Kane thing, somebody printed a whole schedule of what his year looks like, where they added in the Nations League, friendlies, Carabao Cup, uh, FA Cup, Premier League, and and Europa League, and <laughs> it's bad. He's gonna play like sixty matches this season. Um, so yeah, we we've got to get in somebody there to back him up. Um, Bale isn't happening, obviously. No. Stop it. <laughs> My favorite thing today is they were like, reports out of Spain claim that the bail move, move is off because of his high wages. Like, we just woke up today and we're like, oh, right. He gets oh, yeah, he's actually on a lot of a money. Yeah, no, no, we, we won't do that one. Let's, let's ignore Whoa. the fact that he's given up on being a footballer, uh, that he doesn't really <laughs> care wing anymore. Is, uh, Arguably our most talented, deepest position. Yeah, yeah it's, it's that's probably not a goer for me. But yeah, a striker, a right back. It seems like we aren't interested in a left back. We sniffed around center backs all season um, with uh, Kabak, who you mentioned. Um, Kachu, you mentioned in the previous one. Um, uh, who's the other really obvious one that we were ben, all over? Ben White got a mention as well. Uh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I forget who it was. But yeah, there was somebody that was like, so that's guaranteed to happen. Oh, uh, Kim Min Jae, who we scouted the ever-living crap out of. Uh, we also scouted uh, Gabrielle as well, but I don't know if he would fit us as well and, no, and seems to be, yeah, ar- more arsenally. Um, Predicted finish then for that. this season? Ooh, okay. So, so I mentioned this on the Chelsea one. I have us fourth. And I say that knowing... That that's not the objective for us this year. Mourinho straight up said we're winning a trophy this year, mm. so he's he set the bar at that. So if it's the Europa League, if we're still in it come time, if it's the Carabao Cup, if it's the FA Cup, and we're still in those, that will become the priority. He he is vehement that he's never left a trophy. Uh, he's never left a club without winning a trophy, and Tottenham won't be his first. Obviously, he doesn't get to decide that. <laughs> That's not how football works. <clears throat> but I still have us in fourth. It could be anywhere from third to sixth, as we've talked about before, just depending on how people parse out. The reason why I currently have us fourth is we have a more balanced squad than Chelsea. We have a better manager than Manchester United. But that's it, right? Chelsea have a hyper-talented squad. If they score enough that the defense doesn't matter, if Lampard takes a big step as a manager, they finish above us. If Solskjaer can just not get in his head, if he can't get in his way, if he works better on his tactics instead of just his man management, maybe they take the leap above us. Um, But currently I have us fourth. I think one of those two won't finish above us. I just don't know which it is. And it could be us. Maybe it's us that falls out behind both of those, and we're the ones that struggle. But we were the fourth best team since Mourinho came in. We were the third best team after the restart. There are very promising signs. If we strengthen the positions that we need to, all of a sudden we have loads of depth. What what used to be such a crushing issue for us is no longer one, um, except it at right back, like we mentioned. Um, that I, I actually think we're in really good position. This year was a nightmare. I, I I will urge everybody to watch whatever comes out from the Amazon All or Nothing thing. I don't know if you will ever see as interesting a season than the one that Tottenham just had. Obviously, everyone had the COVID thing. The cameras just happened to be on us for that. <clears throat> but with the Champions League failure, with the potch sacking, with the Mourinho coming in, the highs and lows that that's brought, uh, and and the COVID stoppage in the middle of all of it, I, that 
that is darn near must-watch TV for anybody that's that's really into football. But I, I will not enjoy reliving it, but but seeing some of the finer details will definitely be interesting. So yeah, on the season, I gave us a D plus. I mean, we came into the year thinking this was the year we were going to challenge Liverpool and City for the title. We ended up scraping sixth after a draw with Crystal Palace. Not the year that we wanted, but there are glimpses of promising signs moving forward. Right, I've got you on a C- minus for the year, largely because of the improvement uh, towards the end under Jose. Um, I think the biggest issue for Spurs is actually potentially the biggest strength. I think Jose is holding himself back and thus holding Spurs back. Um, I wrote an article on the EPL Index, uh, which was reproduced on OneFootball.com, entitled, Jose Mourinho must look to his past to see the future for Spurs. Mm-hmm. And what I basically went through was, if you look back at his Porto team, his Chelsea team, and his Inter Milan team, up until the semi-final of the European Cup against Barcelona, Mourinho played quite a, an attractive brand of football. They were great defensively, but they were very, very good going forward. And then for a lot of that, mm-hmm. particularly his time at Porto, his third year at Chelsea... And his time at Inter, he used a diamond in midfield. And Spurs have the perfect group of players, save for the fullbacks, to play a diamond in midfield. Now, yeah. if we keep Ndombele. And even if he goes, maybe that's just Jetson. Exactly. So let's go through the squad. Lloris is the goalkeeper. He's the captain. He's, he's very good, but he is declining. You'll need to, to address that maybe in a year to go and find like the long-term successor. But him, yeah. Gassaniga and Hart, that's absolutely fine to go into this season with. You're going to need a right back. You potentially need two, but I would just keep Voigt, uh, or Voigt and, and buy one. At left back, Davies and Cessignon. Davies, like you said, solid, not spectacular. Cessignon could be spectacular, but needs to iron out the defensive side of the game. But he's 19. It, he's expected to make mistakes at 19. Get a right back. Someone like you were linked with uh, Zeki Chalik from Lille. Yep, he'd be ideal. He's really, really good. Yeah. He's good going forward. He's solid defensively. He's twenty three. I think if you can get him for sixteen to eighteen million, you're, you're absolutely laughing. Him and Foyt, that's perfect. In the middle, Davinson and Toby. Now is that year two? That's the two I'd go with, and then Tanganga and Dyer as the backup two. I think that's a solid unit. I think you can mix and match them. But Toby's still one of the five best centre-backs in the league. And Davinson, I think, is is top ten. I would put that centre-back pairing up ahead of United's pairing or Chelsea's Mm. pairing. I think defensively, you've also got a much better manager than either either of those two. Much, much better manager. Mourinho, regardless of the last few years, is one of the greatest managers we've ever seen. And up until he got sacked by Chelsea, his record was remarkable. I mean, from, you know, you go back from 02 all the way through to 2012 and look at how good his defence was. The seven full Premier League seasons that he had in that spell. Um, sorry, his, his, his seven full Premier League seasons that he's had overall. Full seasons, not half seasons. He's only conceded over 30 goals once. He will figure out the defensive side of things. That's what he does. But in midfield... And he thought Hoybier was the solution. And exactly. got him in early. So you go with 
with Hoiberg as your holding midfielder and Winks as the backup in that role. I think that's something you can be really confident with. Endembele and Lo Celso as your engine, your creativity, box to box, little bit of everything. You've got Jedson and Sissoko who can be brought in horses for courses. Different teams will require different looks. If you just want to go and try and overrun somebody, you bring in Sissoko, you bring in Jedson, you go with full energy. Delhi is the perfect 10 to play in a diamond because he's not really a creator. That's what you got Lo Celso for, but he's a goal scorer. And Lamella as a backup in that role, I'd be absolutely delighted with. Yeah, and he did play as a 10 a couple of times after the And restart. that's where he played at AS Roma. That's what you bought him on the basis of, was him as a 10, not him as a winger. Up well, we front, bought him to replace Bale. <laughs> you know, that was just stupidity. That was just people not knowing what they were buying. But up yep. front, Harry Kane is the best pure 9 in the league. And I think Hyunmin Son is your best player. I think he's yep. world class. I think those two as a 2 will absolutely terrorize they everybody in the face. Then you've got um, Bergvine and Lucas Moura as options who can play in that too. If you want to switch to a three in some games, they can play. I don't know that the need for a nine is as drastic because I think if you're playing a two, Sun and either of those two will work. Sun will get you goals. Delhi as a 10 will get you a bunch of goals. But yeah. Go- There's just an injury away then though. True, but just go, go and buy. If you're, if you're playing a two and then you get injuries. Yeah, that's the thing. So you can look to go and buy a nine and bring someone in who will be reliable in terms of getting you goals um, when you need them. So I don't think Spurs need a whole lot, genuinely. I would be looking at a right back and and that backup striker. But I think the quality in the Spurs squad, back to front, outranks what Chelsea have and what United have. They've got more experience in big games, more experience of winning big games, more experience of getting top four over the slog of a season. I have Spurs for third next season. Now, I've been accused in the past of being a bit of a a Spurs lover, and that's absolutely fine. I'll live with that. But I I think this Spurs squad is made to play a diamond Mm. under Mourinho, but not so much this Mourinho as old Mourinho. He needs to get back to being himself. And stop having the fear that developed in him at some point. Stop putting the brakes on your team. The quality is mm. there. Toby is, well, he was world-class. Whether he still is anymore, I don't know. Sanchez makes the odd mistake, but he is a good centre-back. Maybe in a year you look to upgrade on Davinson. And maybe you sell Eric Dyer at that point, And Davinson and Tanganga at the backup too. But mm. I don't think Spurs need much. I think the worst thing Spurs could do is overthink it and go and buy too many players this summer. This squad, a year ago, had finished top four and gotten to a Champions League final. That's the calibre of the squad. Just add the right little bits and pieces. Don't do too much. Even in in a 4-3-3, you have the players to make it work. I don't think it works as a 4-2-3-1. That's no. my issue. I don't think it works the four two three one, and that's well, we had to play the four two three one to get Sissoko and Winks to be enough to protect exactly. the back line, which we're now hoping Hoybier can do on his own. Exactly. So, I I genuinely would be very high on Spurs this year, um, because I still think United and Chelsea have more building to do, and I'm not not sold completely on Frank or on um or on Ollie. So I've yeah. got them in a C minus. 
And I've got them finishing third next season. Um, next up then is Watford. It's an obvious F because they went down. Uh, a, a bit of a mess of a season where they had 47 managers. Seemed to have no plan. But that has been Wat- Watford for a number of years now where they haven't had a plan. Where they just seem to go from one idea to another. They go and they grab this manager, then they grab that manager, then they grab Nigel Pearson and try and change things all together. Then they bin him off. I think Watford have made a good appointment in their new manager. I don't know a lot about Vladimir Ivac, but what I've found from looking into him, I'm impressed by. Um, turned things around at PAOK in Greece, won them their first silverware in 14 years. They then went on to have great success uh, after he left, won two more cups and won the Greek Super League, which, you know, was a huge event for them. Uh, he went to Maccabee Tel Aviv after a, a bit of a sabbatical and won back-to-back league titles. Um, he built a really strong defensive team there, and that's kind of his trademark. I look at the Watford team, and I think they, they're they actually in a really good situation if they keep hold of the immense young talents they have on their books. Ishmael Asar, Joe Pedro, Estupanen, Chucha Hernandez, and Domingos Quina. I think those five you can build around and really have an exciting team moving forward. Now, Chucha, excuse me, Chucha will spend the first half of the year on loan because he doesn't qualify for a uh, doesn't qualify for a, a work permit just yet. Mm. But he will in January. And I think they'll bring him back if they go with Sar, Joe Pedro, and Chucho as their front three once he's back. That's really good. They also have Pen- Penaranda. And a young strike, another young strike called Luis Suarez, really, really talented players who just need an opportunity. Like they need to move on from Dini, they need to move on from Andre Gray. Why not try it? Try it with these young players. Delafeu will almost certainly leave. Um, so why not just roll with the young players and see what you can do? The worst thing that happens is it doesn't work. But you're in the championship anyway. Um, in midfield, then they'd have uh, Quina. Uh, Will Hughes and Chalaba more than good enough, more than good enough to play every week in the in the championship would yeah. arguably be one of the better better duos there. Kapue I think will stay. Uh, two years left in his deal, so he's another really good option. He's a he's a still a quality football player. I think Dakure will go, but and and Pereira will go as well. He was making noise about going in January, but like there's a front six. That's really good. And if they've got that young uh, Tom Deli Bashiru that they brought in um, on a, yeah, like yeah. a six-year deal. So that's strong. Like That's really strong. So at the back, that's where they need to do work. They've got Ngakia, who they've signed from, um, from West Ham on a free. They've still got uh, Kiko Firminia, who's a solid mm-hmm. right back. That's good. Yeah, yeah. On the left... I'd be selling Messina because I think he's one of the players that'll bring in the most. But a Stoopy in there, go and find, a, a, you know. A, Do you think they can hold on to him? I think they can. I don't think they have any reason to sell. He's on a long mm. contract. They're not shy of money. I think they've got Ducure, Delafeu, and Messina who they can sell if they want to bring in 50, 60 million. Maybe not that much, but they'll get 50 million for them, I'd say. Um, 
the centre-back situation is where they need to, you know, they've said goodbye to Halabas, Dawson and Mariapa, Cabaselli and Cathcart, I'd be saying goodbye to at least two of them. Ben Wilmot comes in. Um, I think you buy one or two centre-backs this summer. Young, quality centre-backs, or even bring them in on loan. Look at what Swansea did last year, bringing in Premier League centre-backs on loan. You can find a way to make that work. Uh, I'd keep Ben Foster. I'd uh, keep Daniel Backman and maybe look to bring in a goalkeeper. But I, I think there's loads and loads of talent. Now, yeah, they may not keep a Stupinen. They may not keep Sar, But there's still a lot of talent left at the club. The problem for... And if they is, get that money, they can reinvest. Exactly. And they reinvest really well because they've got access to a great scouting network. I just... I want Watford to... to have a plan and stick to it and I because I, I think they could really really establish themselves I think they'd bounce straight back up and establish themselves in the Premier League and get back to being what they always wanted to be which is a, a talent factory where they buy players develop them for a couple of years and sell them on and do it under you know the same style of manager not this constant chop and change and oh we've had five bad games let's sack this fella and there's that guy we sacked two years ago but he's available, so we'll bring him in now. <laughs> like it just it it it's a it's not a path they can stick to if they want to have success. They need to to correct course, and I don't think they're far away from being in a good position to bounce back up. Yeah, I just think they were another one of those victims of sticking with players for way too long. Like we joked on the last segment that we don't have to talk about Watford and never buying center backs mm. ever again. Um, but then they finally did with uh, Craig Dawson, and, but that was like three years too late for the player and the club. Yeah. Um, and then obviously they were still married to Dini up front. Um, like you mentioned, Capu and Decore, they couldn't break up that duo in midfield. It it just it it went a bit stale, and, and a lot of those players got older and and had already hit their peaks and weren't developing anymore. So it was just age regression. Um, and I think they, they have an opportunity now to, to correct that. Like you said, they, they have loads of young talent. If they need any more, they'll just go knock on the Serie A section of, of their <laughs> club-owning company. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I, there's a chance that their wages are pretty rough, but they could probably let go of the players that would cause those issues. I, I don't see how they could hold on to Sarah Estupinian. I mean, they, they're both so talented. The, the latter had a great season, the mm. former maybe not as much, but he didn't really get as much much playing time. I don't know if there was an injury or if that was just like a, a tactics thing, uh, to be honest. I don't, I don't think just they don't know, know either. Okay, I think that's enough. one of the reasons they moved on. They, they changed things with the manager a couple of times is because Sarah wasn't getting his games. Then uh, apparently Queen are not getting games. I, I'm probably saying his name wrong, but apparently that was a big part of why um, Nigel Pearson got gate was that he wasn't playing him. Like Sarah has said he's happy to go down. And play in the championship. And I kind of... He's too good for the championship. There's no question. But I do wonder if maybe he could do it a year... Another year at the same club. Rather than another move. Another move. You know? It's not a bad job. And like if they're sticking to their 40 million valuation. They may well find it hard to get it this year. Yeah. Yeah. I can't imagine that they would. They'd probably have to be selling for like 25 to 30. But mm. I, I guess your point is they, they aren't financially struggling. Like maybe it's just not worth it to them to sell. Exactly. And like you said, if, if they can move on like the big, earn, big earners like Dini and Dakuri, who they should have sold three years ago when Newcastle offered 40 million. 
Mm-hmm. Um, if they can move those or us guys when up. we sniffed around him before we moved on to Ndombele. Yeah, yeah, which you know would, would have saved my my friend Pangai from the misery that has Ooh. been his Spurs. So <laughs> but you know, like they, they can move those guys on, make up the financial fall of dropping to the championship, rid themselves of the big wages, and just rebuild with these. Like because if if they go into the championship and Sar absolutely lights it up and Estupin absolutely lights it up all of a sudden they'll have many more buyers for them than they do right now like at the moment that people are saying oh well yeah like like you said 25 to 30 million for Sar 10 to 15 for Estupin with good seasons in the championship you'll get your 40 45 for Sar you'll get 20 for Estupin and there'll be premier league teams will come in and you can rinse them you know, I just think for their for their own sake, mm. rather than selling too quickly, quickly like they did with say, like Dodi, who they sold to um, hurt the Berlin last year. I think if they just stick the course and develop the players and and keep them around a little bit longer, and then sell them at the right time, don't sell them too early, don't keep them too long, but sell them at the right time when their value hits the peak. That's that's where I'd be looking to do. Right next up, then. Um, West Ham United. Take us through it, Kev. Take us through the era of Moyes. <laughs> How would one go about that? Um, so, yeah, they obviously had a weird season. They're, they're just a weird club. Every year I fall for the big signings and ignore the fact that they have no idea how to incorporate them into the squad and that their scouting uh, probably goes as deep as that guy has a good rating on FIFA. Uh, instead of considering how they would actually fit into their team. Both of us sung their praises pretty heavily. Uh, we gave them an A and a B for, for their two transfer windows. The A obviously was off the back of signing uh, Fornals and Allaire in the same window. Two very Champions League level players going to a club like West Ham. Surely they'll drag them up into the European conversation. Uh, but instead they finished 15th. And Allaire basically stopped starting. They, they used Antonio up front, Fornals. Was in and out of the side as well. I just have no idea what's happening at that club. The 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 January window went better. They brought in Suchek, who basically single handedly scored them enough points to to avoid being in the relegation conversation in a meaningful way. But they only finished, I think, five points above the relegation zone, which is just it's absolutely absurd. Um, with the talent they have, with the money that they spend the Olympic stadium TM, like all that stuff. It's, it's just absurd to me that every single year West Ham underperform, they overspend and underperform year on year on year on year. And it feels like nothing happens. Sometimes the manager changes, but it's from the same pool of managers. So it never really feels like it changes. And then those talented players just lose their value. Like Felipe Anderson went there. His value has gone. Um, you imagine it's happening with with these two now. Diop was allegedly like a thirty to forty million pound player. I can't imagine them getting more than twenty at the moment. Declan Rice, I guess, is the only one. I don't even think Declan Rice is that good. Um, yeah, it's 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 not good. It's not good for them. But like, I, I have always felt that the the best example of their transfer dealings was Chicharito. They're like that guy scores goals. Mm. Like he always plays in a two. So how are you going to use him? Oh, as a lone striker. And they're like, why didn't that work? And you're like, are you actually kidding right now? And it just feels like they do that every year. So we have three weeks to the start of the season. I don't think they've made a meaningful signing yet. 
When they do, I'm sure I'll way overhype it and think it'll be what turns around West Ham. I don't even like West Ham. And I'll still be like, that's the one that's really going to turn it around. And then it won't be. And then they'll just finish like 16th again or whatever. It's a D- minus for me. And I think they'll finish in the same spot they did this year. Yeah, it's a, it's a D- minus on this season for sure. Um, I'm I'm higher on them than, than most. I think including their own fans. And I think if Moyes gets back to being Everton Moyes, kind of like Mourinho. I think Moyes is a much better manager than we've seen um, in recent years. But I look at their squad, and I, again, I've done this in an article on, on, on the index, so I, I think they could do with looking for a long-term solution in goal. Um, I suggested Freddie Woodman, but he's gone to Swansea on loan. But all their goalkeepers are 34 and older. So they need a long-term solution there, but maybe not something for this summer. At the back, Diop, for me, needs a calm talker next to him who's going to be there most weeks. Now, is a good centre-back, but I think he's also past his best and he's a little bit injury-prone. I think he's a fine backup, but I don't think he's a starter quality. If, if you have real ambition, and I think West Ham do, I don't think you signed Diop, Fornals, um, Felipe Anderson, Halar, and then even like Suchek and Bone, unless you think you're a top 10 club. I, I don't think you do that. So I look at what they have, and, and I think Halar is a really good player. Really, really good. Probably more suited to playing in a 2, but in a 4 2 3 1, I think he can work as long as you put the right pieces around him. And for me, that will be playing Pablo Fernandes as a 10, Felipe Anderson on the left, and Jared Bowen on the right. So you get creativity, you get goals from Bowen, you get pace, and you get Halar being able to link it all up, hold the play, bring others in. I think that as a front four could work really well. Suchek as your box-to-box midfielder, I think he's really impressive. The holding midfield role then is Rice. And Rice, I think Rice is good. But I think one option for them would be to move him to centre-back because that's probably where he'll end up long-term. Now, if you want to keep him in midfield, that's absolutely fine. Then you've got your front six. I don't think they need to go and invest in the front six. I think they'd lose money on any of the players they're talking about maybe selling on. Um, Felipe Anderson, they will lose their ass on if they try and sell him this summer. They're much better off keeping him. They've been linked with Ben Rama and Easy and a couple of others. But I mean, their financial situation is not good. And apparently they owe like 70 or 80 million in back fees on transfers. Like, I don't know that they should Oof. be, you know, doing too Just much. Just the way they structure their deals? Yeah, that's the thing. Like, big, mm. big um, installments. So for me, if, if you put out Rice and Suchek, Fernals is your 10, Bowen and Felipe on the wings and Haller up front, I think that's a top 10 attack. And goal return-wise, it is a top 10 attack. A, a top ten attack. Like, I think they had the ninth mm-hmm. or 10th best attack in the league last year. The problem is they've got a bottom 5 defence. The only one I'd keep for as a starter is Diop, and it's purely the upside of Diop. It's not what he is now, it's what he can become. And don't forget, you mentioned 40 million. A year ago, United were talking about spending 60 million on him. And then decided to spend eighty million on Harry Maguire instead. So I would build around him. You look at the Everton team. If Diop is your Sylvan Distan, 
the the ball player, the little bit more expansive of the two centre backs. You need a Phil Jagielka, and we talked about him earlier with Everton. Michael Keane, who could mm, do with a move, yeah. would be a really nice fit there. He's a talker. He's a leader. He's positionally very good. And when you defend in small spaces, he's very, very good. So Michael Keane would be the first one I'd go for. I, my preference would be to move Rice and play Rice there and go and buy Mark Roca from Espanyol. Because I think you'd get him fairly cheap, given, given they've gone down in our financial mess. But if they want to keep Rice in midfield, Michael Keane at centre-back, to me, is a no-brainer. Ment- mentioned Matty Cash earlier on for Everton. West Ham have been linked. I think he's ideal as your Seamus Coleman type. Up and down the wing, big, strong athlete, good on the ball. Needs to improve defensively, but so did Coleman when Moyes got him and he turned him into one of the best uh, right-backs in the league. And then the same at left-back. They need someone of that ilk as well. Someone who's an attack-minded player but has room to grow defensively. Harry Pickering at crew. Six million will get him this summer. I think if you add Pickering and and Cash as your wing-backs, you get that attacking width that a Moyes team will need that allows Bowen and mm. Felipe Anderson to play narrow and be more involved in the creative side of things and the end product. Suchek and Rice sitting in front of Diop and Keane, you get your solidity, you get your base, you get good ball players, you get leadership. That, for me, is the move. Cash, Keane and Pickering, I don't think it would cost the earth to get them. There's probably a couple of players there like Balbuena and a couple of others they can shift on. They might get a bit of cash for. I don't think West Ham need to do a whole lot. I think they're better off building on what they have rather than tearing it down and trying to rebuild again. Yeah, I guess my question for you is, is do you not feel like it's just like falling into the trap again? Like on paper, they always look good. The issue is that on the pitch, they seldom do. Agreed. But the problem has been, David Moyes played about nine different formations after taking over last year. And while he kept them up, they weren't any better under him than they had been under Pellegrini. I think they took one point more over the course of... like They both managed 19 games. Mm. I think they took one point more under Moyes. Um, yeah, they took 20 points under Moyes and 19 under Pellegrini. They had a really good first seven games, a really good last seven games, three wins, three draws and one defeat in both. And then the middle of the season was absolute trash. Because don't forget, they started the season, they were fifth after seven games. They were looking like a good bet as a top half team. And it all crumbled apart. And I think for them, what they need to do is actually address the areas that caused them to fall apart, which was the defence. It's very hard for attackers to perform when there's a calamity going on behind you. And I just think if they can solidify the centre of defence and get real natural width from the full-backs, because one of the problems I saw them have this season was they were trying to get their width from the likes of Fernals and Bowen and Felipe Anderson, and those are all players that operate best moving central, not holding the wide roles. 
you know, they could move Yarmolenko on. They'll get money for him because he's got a big reputation in Europe. They could move Lanzini on um, because, he, again, he's got a decent reputation. But I would keep the guys you went big on because I don't think you're in a position to sell them and try and try and rebuild. I think, look, there's rumours that Felipe Anderson is going, could go back to Lazio for about 16 to 17 million. Mm. And there's also rumours that West Ham owe Lazio 16 to 17 million on his transfer. So you're basically just giving him away, which means you'll have spent 20 million to have him on loan for two years for all intents and purposes. So you don't have the money then to go and buy Ben Rama or Etsy or whoever you want. So why not just keep the guy and just pay the installments as they come? I think think I'm higher on them than most. And I'm more fond of West Ham than most because, you know, I, I, I enjoy their history and I think they are, a, you know, a proper Premier League team. And they're one of the great old clubs of English football. I think the Premier League is better to have them. Um, I, you know, and again, like, I laugh at Moyes from time to time, but he did a really good job at Everton for 10 years. Like, that can't be dismissed because he failed at United and failed at Sunderland. Do you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, you're not wrong. It 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 just feels all uninspiring. But yeah, yeah, you could absolutely be right. And then I I will I will eat related crows. It is aspirational without question. But I don't know. I think I think there's there's enough good players there to build around. I think three good signings would really turn them around. Really, mm-hmm. really turn them around as long as they stay the course and don't just go. You know, Moyes has a bad run. Oh, sack him straight away. Unless you can go and get an objectively better manager, you have to stick with him and give him the season. You just have yeah. to. At some point, you have to plant your feet in the sand and say, this is who we are, and this is what we're going to That's be. That's true. They do lack a club identity. Like, when, when Tottenham hired Jose, everybody's like, that doesn't make sense, because Tottenham have an identity, and mm. it's not what Jose is. What's West Ham's identity, other than Here's six really talented players, five other random people, and we're going to finish somewhere around 10th. That's the thing. What is the identity? West Ham, after Newcastle, West Ham are the Premier League team most in need of, of new owners. And it's it's even debatable if they're after Newcastle yeah. on that list. <laughs> um, up up last, then, is, is one of the better run clubs in the Premier League, uh, Wolves. Um, uh, an yeah. up and down season, a really poor start, but they rebounded well. Uh, probably disappointing to them that they only finished seventh, because at the beginning of the restart, they did have a real opportunity to push for um, a top, I would say a top four finish. Um, they'll miss out on Europe, but that's not necessarily a bad thing for them, because it was their Europa League uh, run that sort of hampered the start of their season. And they have no squad depth. They have no squad <laughs> they depth have at all. Eleven players. They, yeah, and and I, I even think like if you look at those eleven, they probably need, I'd say three starters, two definitely, maybe a third. Um, I think they need a couple of centre backs, and maybe a wing back. I'm because I'm not overly sold on Johnny, though I do think Ruben Venegra is is really talented. So maybe you maybe you can transition to him. Um, I think one of the issues Wolves have is that Nuno is far too rigid in his system. And 
I think they prepare brilliantly for games and they're incredibly well conditioned and they break teams down with that relentless nature to their style. But when it doesn't work, I don't know that there's a plan B. And I think that's a little bit it of what feels has a little potchy. He, He'll set his team up good enough to beat anybody, but if it doesn't work, you're just Yeah, it's in more of the same. Plan B is more of plan A. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's very potch. Very, with very more Adamatory, um, but they do have like they have players that are the you know the envy of a lot of clubs. Uh, Ruben Neves, uh, Adama Traore, Raúl Jiménez. These are players that could grace pretty much any team in the league. Um, uh, uh, Diogo Jota is a good player. They've got some good youngsters they've picked up along the way, and I, I think Morgan Gibbs White. Probably needs a loan, but he's got Agreed. got a big future. Um, then Donker, I think, is potentially excellent for them, but they need to settle him in a position and stop playing him in midfield one week and at centre back the next. Yeah, that's what Tank Dyer's career thus far. Yeah, that's exactly you can't it. Swap back and forth. I think overall, I think I'd give them a C for their domestic season, um, which may feel a little bit harsh, but. I just think their first 10 or 12 games were were bad enough that that's kind of where they deserve to be. Yeah, I've given them a B minus. I I think which that that might even be harsh. Like like Sheffield United they were, they were up there for so long that it's weird that they missed out on <laughs> Europe, but they were up there for so long. And with such a thin squad, like it, it's really incredible to me that they managed to handle the, the Europa League as well as anyone really has lately um, uh, in terms of how it affected their domestic campaign, not not in uh, success. Obviously, Chelsea won it last year. But yeah, uh, it, it feels harsh, but you're probably right. There, there's a lot of talent there. Maybe they should have been able to pull it out in the end. I was actually a little surprised that they didn't launch up the table after the restart without the... European schedule interrupting like I thought that's when they would really kick on I I think I thought they'd basically do what United wound up doing or at least what we we wound up doing but where it wasn't to be um I don't really have them that high for next season I think I have them eighth or ninth um I'm a little worried about talent loss there have been enough sniffs around Jimenez allegedly if we're in for two right backs we want one of them to be experienced with Doherty being one of them um, if one of those goes, I mean, that, that's a pretty big dent to how you play. I think you're right on Vinegar. I think he's ready to step up and be the actual left back over Johnny Otto. Um, is Jota good enough? He was two years ago. He wasn't last year. Can they keep holding on to Neves? It's still confused as to why people aren't meaningfully coming in for him. Same. Agree with you on Morgan Gibbs White. I don't know. I, I, I think they had a lot of things bounce right for them for the majority of the for the majority of the year and then bounced wrong at the end and without significant squad depth, I think they're, they're going to be, I think they'll still be in the top 10, but they won't be in, in the top half. I've got them seventh for next season. Again, um, I get, like you, I'm, I'm a little bit concerned that Jimenez could get a big bid this summer, but then you look around and it's, it's kind of like, well, where would it come from? And would he go there if he's not a guaranteed starter? Like United were linked to him. Would he go there if he's not going to start every game? I'm not sure he would. I think he seems very happy at, at Wolves um, as kind of their main man. Doherty is the worst possible fit for Spurs. 
Let me just say that outright. <laughs> he cannot defend to save his life. There, there's it's a, a like reason. for like replacement for Aurea. He's a really <laughs> good wing back. He's a disastrous fullback. I've seen him play for the Ireland national team, and he can't play fullback. He is a wing back, born and bred. That's what he is. And if he goes to try and play in a back four, I, I think you'll be pulling your hair out by mid November and cur- <laughs> cursing the the spend on him. Um, but he's he's really good going forward, and he's so important to how they play going forward. Um, I think the same goes for the centre backs. I mean, in, in the system, they're fine, but individually, none of them are good defenders. You know that they they work as a three, yeah. but you know they've played Den Donker, who's not a centre back there, and Sice, who's not a centre back there, and the the system has protected them. Um, I, I would look if I was them. I would look for two starting centre backs. Um, if you're going to stick with the three, then it's I would say it's probably two to flank Cody, because I think that finding that central centre back who can play the ball out from the back is probably the hardest part. They do have one who could do it already in Den Donker, but I think they're going to need him in midfield. Um, I think two starting centre backs and, and and keep keep the rest of what you have. Jota will need a bounce back year. He didn't have a good season. Um, they'll need Adama and Jimenez to continue to to play at the same level, and they'll need Nuno to be a little bit more flexible. But without Europe, Euro, uh, European football this year, I do think they'll be a little bit more focused on on the Premier League, and I think they could push for sixth. I think it's them or Arsenal for sixth. I would have both of them ahead of Leicester. Because the Rogers factor, I'm not sold on him at all. Um, mm. But you know, I, I think it'll be. I think it's going to get to a point though with Wolves where they have to make a decision of is this what we want to be or do we want to be more? And if they want to be more, then they probably will need quite an investment. Like then they probably would need to go three starting centre backs, a new wing back. And maybe one more up front, depending on on Jota. Yeah, I, I think that's probably right. And yeah, I did look. I have them eighth, so not not too far off from you either. Uh, I don't know. I I just don't know if the magic will be back next year, but we'll see. Right. Let's quickly run through the um the teams coming up because the championship is not our bag. We do have a really good championship review podcast on EPL Index. Make sure you check out those guys. They've they've gone over the season. They covered the season week to week. Um, Leeds, West Brom, and Fulham coming up. Let's start with Fulham because they come via the playoffs. Um, I think they need quite a quite a lot, Kev. If I'm honest, I've yeah. not sold on any of their centre backs. I like the signing of Robinson. Um, I think they've overpaid for Knockhart, but I understand why they've done it because he was important to bringing them up. But I think they, without question, will need a centre-back. I think they've got a good goalkeeper, but a centre-back, maybe a right-back. They'll need one more in midfield. Harrison Reed, if they keep him, will, will be will be that one. Um, I think they need another goal scorer, though. I think that's the big need for them is they need someone else who can score goals. I don't think you can rely on Mitrovic over the course of a season to carry the load by himself, uh, especially when VAR catches sight of some of his antics. But as things <laughs> stand, Fulham are 
bottom of my uh, way too early predicted Premier League team, uh, Premier League table. Yeah, yeah. I I also have them in the relegation zone, which uh, is is a little unfortunate. I know uh, Russ, who listens to our shows and comes on to talk about Fulham, thinks that we we undersell them a lot. I, I I think things could bounce the right way for them. Like if Mitrovic hits Mitrovic hits the ground running, um, I think that that solves a lot of issues. If you have a striker that's firing consistently, that helps you certainly when it comes down to to a relegation fight. I do agree though. I, I think there's a lot of a lot of weaknesses in that squad, and, and they're going to have a second chance to try to decide what to do because. Last time we thought they should have stuck with more of the team that, that that got promoted up with them. They obviously didn't. They brought in a load of players. They end up going down. And when we spoke with Russ, he said he, he frankly didn't think that the team that got promoted would have been enough in the Premier League anyway. Um, so they were kind of always doomed. I, I don't know. I don't know how that's going to work this year. If they can, if they can keep Harrison Reed, obviously Onama uh, was fantastic in the playoffs, and, and I'm sure was was also doing well before that. You have Mitrovic up front, like you mentioned. You have Knockard on the right. It, it's the building blocks of a fairly decent side. The question is, are they going to have the money to make moves? Mm-hmm. And are they going to have the confidence that making moves is the right call based on what happened last time? That's 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 hard to say. Um, I do have them in the relegation zone as well. Um but I think they're they're kind of I think they're kind of fringe. I think if enough things fall right for them that they'll be okay. But yeah, just just on paper, they're not there yet, and it should be noted we're three weeks away, yeah. and I don't think they've done much. So we'll 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 see. And like you said, when the transfer window is over, we'll readdress it. But as for now, I, I have them in the relegation zone as well. Yeah, I, I just they need to learn obviously from the last time they came up when they just they did too much. I mean, I think they brought in three goalkeepers in one year, um, and they owned the guy who's now their number one goalkeeper at the time. Oh wow! And, and they had um, what's the chap's name? Bettinelli. Um, they already mm-hmm. had, yeah, Mar- Marcus Bettinelli. He was already there, so they they had five goalkeepers on the books that year. Like a big thing for them is they still own Jean Michel Seri and Andre Anguissa, both of whom are good players. Neither of whom did well the last time, but have done well on their loans. So they could, in theory, keep those two. So you get those two plus uh, Onama plus Harrison Reed if they keep if they if they decide to buy him. I mean that's a solid midfield unit. You know that that's not something you then need to address. You know they still have McDonald, they still have uh, Stefan Johansson, Cabano was there. Like they have a, a, a solid, strong, deep group of midfielders. Um, maybe they could do it with one more in a wide role who'll offer. A little bit more of a of a pacey outlet. Um, just when you need to clear the decks and find someone who'll stretch the field, maybe they can look for somebody like that. But like I said, I think a goal. I think a goal scorer with, um, with the big man up front with Mitrovic is just something they should do. Purely because I I think you need two guys who'll get you ten twelve goals in the league to keep you up. Yeah, I don't hate Bobby Reed either. I, no, I just don't know if it's. I just don't know that level. he's he's of that level. We'll see. I mean, he could be, but we'll see. Um, I think they've got great options now at left back, right back. I've got questions on, but you know, they kind of 
they got up with what they had. Maybe they're better off just keeping what they have and not trying to change too much. Like at least with Seri and Nguisa, they're already there. Players have already been at the club. Um, there's not, and they and they worked under Parker briefly at the end of the last Premier League season. I I just they're the, they're the one team I worry about coming up. I think they bring the least talent up. Though I think Mitrovic is maybe the best player from the three teams that came up. Um, but I mean, I'm not sold on Michael Hector. I think Dennis Adoy is a liability. Alfie Mawson, no, not for me. Uh, Tim Ream is solid, but is he Premier League solid? I'm not sure. Lamarchand is doesn't know if he's a left-back or a centre-back. That'd be my big doubt over them, is, is the centre of that defence and... and maybe the lack of of goals in the team but Scott Parker has done a a great job there and if he can just galvanize the squad and kind of get them in the mentality of everything's we're going down let's go out and prove a point let's bin off the cups let's not worry about anything else 38 games that's all we're going to focus on get 40 points let's Yeah. yeah let's aim for 40 points and and you know, if we if we end up on thirty six, we still have a good chance of staying up. But they're twentieth in in my in my predictions as things stand. Um, West Brom finished second. Um, just <laughs> just Brentford should be very very upset that they are not a Premier League team, but it is West Brom, and Slavin Bilic has done I think a really good job there. I think he's a good manager. I think he's proven himself to be a good manager uh, at a couple of stops now. They have uh, signed Pereira permanently, which which we all knew they would, would do. But I think if they are unable to bring uh, Grady Diangana back, I think that's a big loss for them. Now, he's another one I didn't even mention when talking about West Ham. If you do decide to sell Felipe Anderson, there's your left-sided player. Mm. Don't worry about buying anybody else. He's really, really good. Um, I've got West Brom staying up by the skin of their teeth. I think they'll be in the relegation dogfight, but I think they, I think they do need to sign um a couple of players. Uh, I like their goalkeeper, um Sam Johnston. I think he's good, but I think they could maybe do with an extra body in in defense, uh, in the center of the center of the defense, um. They're definitely going to need a creative, another creative outlet, another wide player with some pace. And then the big thing for them is they're going to need another striker because Charlie Austin will score goals, but he'll also miss a lot of games. Only 18 starts last season. Now, 16 appearances yeah. off the bench, but he still missed 12 league games last year. Uh, I think they'll need to address that and, and sign another goal scorer. If they get Three good players in. One good player at the back who can add to what they have. A good creator in a wide position. Um, yeah, because Pereira can handle it in, in central midfield. And they, they mm. obviously kept Livermore, who can certainly plug in front of the defense. So, yeah, yeah, I think if they can get a wide creator, that would that would definitely help ease Pereira, who is just brilliant. Okay, because you're losing eight goals last season from uh, Diangana. Diangana. That's true. He's yeah. He's really, really good. I wouldn't be trusting Cal uh, Robson Canoe 
in the Premier League no. to repeat the trick. Now, Matty Phillips is a good player, and maybe he can plug in and, and give you something. Yeah. But um, yeah, he was really good there last time up. He definitely was. He's and he's you know he's he works incredibly hard for the team as well. I think losing Ferguson at the Premier League level is a bigger blow than losing him at the Championship chip level was because I think mm. he's a really good young defender. And it's just become a bit of a problem for, for West Brom where they produce really, really talented young players and then they lose them um, before they ever get to benefit from them. What's the other? Is it Morgan Rogers? Is that the kid that went to, went to City um, from there? Mm-hmm. And isn't the other one... Didn't they have the kid who's who went to Barcelona and came back to Villa? Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. He was theirs as well, wasn't he? So, like, they do have this great academy there. It's just that the players don't don't ever seem to end up in in the in the first team, and when they do, in the first team, yeah, you end up with them pushing to leave, like um, like Barry Berahino a couple of years ago, who you know had all the talent in the world and threw his career away. Over Tottenham, which I feel very bad about. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I think West Brom are in a pretty good place, and I I think Slavin Bilic is is better than a championship manager, mm. and and I think him being back up uh, is is a good thing for the Premier League, as you so often say. I, I just think he's a good character to be involved. Um, still bummed out about the Darren Moore thing, but you know what? That's fine. I'll I'll try to let that go in my own time. Um, yeah, I, I but think yeah, that I, was that was poor. Now, just one last thing. One player they, they own who could be a wild card if used up front and he has been poor for them since they signed him. But Oliver Burke, just because of the raw pace it and power. It's so weird that that didn't work out. Raw pace and power. He he might only get you six or seven goals, but he could just be enough of a pain in the arse and he'll give you the ability to stretch the play that he might, just not as a starter, but maybe as a player coming off the bench, he could be a better impact player than some of the others at the club already. Yeah, no, I think it's a really good shout. Also, I was just looking it up. Apparently, Pereira played a lot of matches on the wing. For, mm. for some reason, I just kept viewing him as being central. Maybe that's because he cuts in a lot, and I've He's really misidentified good. that. But really good. He, yeah, I'm really looking forward to seeing him in the good. Premier League. Same, 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 same. Yeah, I, I think they'll probably be okay. I actually have them uh, in 18th right now. Uh, I just... I don't know. I don't know what it is about about them that that I, I I I just got to the bottom of the table, and it's just so much easier to cut adrift the promoted sides. Um, although we'll get to one that I didn't do that for, but but I also have them going down. But if they make a couple of moves, I think they'll be fine. I think they're set up well. It's just is this does the squad have enough Premier League talent in it yet? And the current answer is no. But three weeks from now, you know that story could change. That's exactly the thing. And with with the window running until. The middle of October. At least they get yeah. to see a couple of games, see what they need, and go and address it. Um, they're a really well-run club, and uh, I, I like—I've always liked West Brom. Um, of, of the Midlands clubs, they're one of my preferred uh, preferred options to be in the Premier League. Same. Also, I really enjoyed going to the Hawthorns with that uh, Dan. Our, our will old Dan friend. be returning to the EPL Roundtable this yes, season? Yes, he Good will. Stuff. Good stuff. Always like Dan. Um, the last team then that came up and the last team that we'll cover on these mammoth podcasts that we've now put together, <laughs> uh, Leeds United. If you want to talk about a manager who I'm excited to Bielsa. have in the Premier League, Bielsa is the guy. I, I just can't wait. Bielsa and Klopp on the first day of the season 
uh, is like treat. is like porn. It, it's just remarkable <laughs> how excited I am for this game. Um, they obviously they've been they were really impressive last season. A little bit of a stumble late on, but came up comfortably. Um, I think they do have areas they need to address. I think unquestionably they need a centre back. Ben White is the target, but it doesn't appear like. Brighton are going to play ball on that. They've been linked with Robin Co- uh, Robin Cock or Robin Coach. He's mm-hmm. the problem with him is he plays the left side and White played the right side last year, so you'd have to move somebody. Um, again, I have They're written currently about them. favorites for Foyth as well. Pa- yeah, that and, and he makes sense the Argentine link. Um, I have written about them extensively on EPL Index as I have about many clubs so far, uh, and I think there's five areas that Leeds could look to address this summer. They don't have to address them all, but I think there are areas they could look to address. One is that ball-playing centre-back, uh, which they obviously know about. And I, I think Farrow from Benfica would be a big statement. Now, he'll be expensive mm. enough, but I don't think he'd be £25 million. And if you're offering £25 million for White, I think you'd get him for the 25 I think he's better than White at this point. He's definitely a better ball-player than White. Um, he's great at carrying the ball. Um, and White's a really good ball player, but I think Farrow's better. Um, that's one. I think they need uh, one more in midfield because I think Bielsa demands so much of his midfielders mm. that the slog and especially in a, this compressed season, exactly. And I think the perfect one to go and get is a former Leeds grad, uh, Leeds Academy graduate, Lewis Cook. I think he'd be perfect. Hit. That'd be great. You put him and Calvin Phillips together. Um, I think he'd be. I think he's a fantastic player. Was on the verge of the England squad before his knee injury. Phillips will be an England international within six months. Those two, I think, would give Leeds a really strong central midfield pairing um, with with whoever else they play because they play that four one four one. I think they need a creator, and this was actually where I thought Emmy Buendia would be perfect. Now he would have mm. to play off the right for them. But I think you play him on the right and let him float. Um, he's obviously the Argentine link with with uh, Bielsa. I think he's a really talented player who could fit well in what Leeds do. Um, used to playing in a fairly high-tempo, high-pressing team because that's what Norwich were when they came up. They changed a little bit this season uh, to be just a little bit more compact, even though they still played good football. Um, I think he'd be good. They need a goal scorer, and I think that's a massive thing for them because you look at their striking options, and Bamford is a good player, but I don't know that he's a Premier League player. Yeah. Whereas I think there's options out there, and we mentioned a couple earlier on, uh, Odson Edward, and you mentioned Michi Batshuayi. Mm-hmm. Last year of his contract, born goal scorer, no, sh- no, no stranger to working hard for a team was at Marseille after Bielsa, but rumoured that Bielsa was was keen to get him in while he was there, I think he'd be a really good get and a a cheap get. And the one other thing thing I need, I think they need, is I think they need someone who's an experienced Premier League veteran. Because you look through their squad... Just in the dressing room? Just in the dressing room. Someone who can obviously play their part... But set the standard on the training ground. Be that voice of reason in the dressing room when things don't go well because they're going to have a bad run. They're going to lose three or four in a row at some point. 
someone that can just talk everybody else through. Because other than Pablo Hernandez, they don't have anyone else who's played multiple years in the Premier League. And even he mm. was in that, you know, that doomed Swansea team. I think there's three options that I've got for them. All three, I think, two are definitely available. And I think the other one would be made available purely for this move. Danny Rose, former Leeds mm-hmm. Academy graduate. Now, they have a good yeah, left back. Nice. But I think Danny Rose would be an improvement. I don't think Spurs will ask for a big fee. In fact, they may even just let him go for, you know. Yeah, we really might. Three, four million, if, if, if even, maybe free. But Danny Rose is a Leeds Academy graduate and he's a good player. Fabian Delph came through the academy with Danny Rose. Ex-Leeds, experienced veteran, versatile. If you watched the uh, Manchester City documentary, All or Nothing, he was one of the leaders in that dressing room. When things were going wrong, yeah. he was one of the leaders. When when Pep was making errors, he was one of the guys that was willing to stand up to Pep and talk about the need to get back to the simplicity of football, which is what Leeds will need to rely on next year, is doing all the simple things right. I think he'd be a great fit there. And the third one, no surprise, but it's the only move I think he'd make, is James Milner. I, I think if yeah. Leeds could add any of those three... And, and the thing is, if you add Delphi... Is you're thinking that he's won everything at Liverpool He's now. won everything at Liverpool. He's got three Premier League winners medals to his name. He's not going to be a, a big part of our team next year. That's just a fact. You've got Robertson and Schimikas at left back. You've got Trent and Nico Williams at right back. So he's not going to get minutes at left back, left back or right back. And in midfield, we have Fabinho, Naby Keita, Jordan Henderson, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, Ginny Wijnaldum, Curtis Jones, and potentially Thiago Alcantara. So he's not going to get many games in midfield either. So... I think he'd get more games at Leeds with his versatility. And I think he would rather be a squad player. Now, I don't know James Miller, so I'm just guessing. I think he would rather be a squad player at Leeds than a squad player anywhere else. I think he could go to Leeds and you could say mm. to him, look, James, it's a two-year contract. You're going to play, but not a whole lot. But we'll use you here, there, and everywhere, as you have done in your career. So you'll play right wing, left wing, centre midfield. We'll play you a couple of games in the holding midfield role because we think you could do it in your sleep. You can play fullback in some games. But the plan here is that we're going to move you into the coaching side and you become part of the fabric of the club because the one thing Leeds United need to do is re-establish themselves. They're one of the real giants of English football and they need to re-establish themselves as the Premier League club. And I think James Milner... I, I think the only reason Milner ever left in the first place was because they were in such a financial mess. I mean, remember, he left the year they went down because their finances were all over the place. I don't think he ever wanted mm. to go to Newcastle. Um, if I was if I was Leeds, I would call about James Miller. Now, you might not, he might not want it, but I think he would. I think he would take that move. Um, I think if you get, yeah, that'd be brilliant. You could get him and Delph. You know, you get him Delph and Rose. They they would improve you, and they would set the, mm. set the leadership tone. Yeah, I agree, and I I do think they're the they're the ones that have the best chance of staying up if they get a striker because obviously they have the weird Augustin situation where they want him but not for the price that they agreed and there's a lawsuit and I I just can't imagine that resolving in a way where he's still at the club. 
Um, like you mentioned, Batshuayi would be a, a, an interesting one there. They just, yeah, they just need somebody that's going to put it in the back of the net. That that seems to be the the biggest um, weakness because I I don't think it's Bamford no. at a Premier League level. No, he's, but, he struggled in his previous Premier League spells. Yeah, because uh, was it Boro that bought him while but, they were up? Yeah, and he was he was poor for them. Yeah, that, that didn't work out at all. I think he was on loan at Palace in the Premier League as well and struggled there. Um, but yeah. I think the one thing they have that the other two, like I, we, we've said, Billich is a good manager. Parker is a, is, a, is a promising manager. Bielsa is a great manager. And that yeah. alone yeah. will get them probably eight to ten points over the course of the season. Oh, yeah, for sure. Just just keep an eye on, on what striker rocks up there. Mm. All right. It's been about two and a half hours. It's been about two and a half hours. <laughs> so I think it is about time. Uh, that we wrap this one up. Obviously, the first one was about an hour and forty, I think, and then this yeah, one we, is probably we probably should have balanced these a little better. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Uh, these are special. These are these are one off. Um, so apologies to everybody if it's gone a little bit long. But like I always say, you, you don't have to listen to all in one go. You can listen to it in in fits and spurts. Um, this has been the uh, 2019-20 season review. Uh, a co-promotion by the EPL Roundtable podcast and the Two-Footed podcast, all part of of the EPL Index podcast bonanza uh, that we're bringing <laughs> forward. Kevin, tell people where they can find you and where they can find your podcast. Yeah, I'm uh, Kevin DeVries. I almost said your host, Kevin DeVries. That's not true. Uh, I'm uh, Kevin DeVries. You can find me on Twitter at Kevroff. You can find our podcast at EPL Roundtable. Uh, we also have a championship show that we've alluded to, and you can get all the great info from them um, on these promoted sides uh, at Championship Pod. Also on EPL Roundtable over the next couple of days, we'll be having people on from each of the promoted clubs. Uh, John McKenzie for uh, Leeds, Dan Watson we talked about earlier for, for West Brom, and our good friend Russ. Uh, to talk all things Fulham. So those will be coming out over the the coming week as well. So just all the content all the time. And then uh, obviously, like you mentioned, the first part of this is over at EPL Roundtable as well. But all of them, both both the Two-Footed Podcast and the EPL Roundtable, will continue to push out through the EPL Index Twitter handle. So you'll, you'll see both all the time. Just be sure to click on them. Exactly. And I'm back every day. Uh, Two-Footed Podcast is your daily Premier League podcast. I hope you've enjoyed this. Uh, I've certainly enjoyed doing it. I always enjoy doing these podcasts with Kev. I hope you've enjoyed listening. And uh, thank you very much. We'll see you next time. Podcast Network.